Yo, Internets, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com. Internets, man, how's your summer doing, man? You guys enjoying yourselves? You guys going to the beach, barbecue, cookouts, seeing family, you know what I'm saying? Y'all enjoying the fact that, you know, it's still uncuffing season? How are you guys uncuffing out there? Are you guys uncuffing well? You guys lonely? You know what I'm saying? Let me know, man. Hit us up, man. Yo, King, man. King. Yo, what up, what up, what up? You got the number for the hotline bling? Have we have we been getting calls? Oh, this dude always, what is the number? 347. 347. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, as you hold think on, about it, internet. Damn number. I want to, enough about, you know, how much you hate and love the show <laughs> and how I be interviewing cats y'all don't fuck with and. Cutting people off. Cutting people off. Just let me know how your summer's going, man. You know what I'm saying? Let me know how the uncuffing season is going, man. Let me know how your diet is, man. Let me know what's the highlight of your summer. And the lowest point of your summer. Call us at the Combat Jack Show hotline bling. What is the number, King? Three four seven three four. Wait, they say it's slow. Oh, my bad. Three, three four seven seven four six seven four six two zero two zero eight zero. One more time. In Spanish. All right. Three four seven seven four six two zero eight zero. Yeah, man. Just just let us know, man. You know what I'm saying? Every now and then, <laughs> man. I, fuck all the bullshit in the hoopla. Just just let us know. Reach out. And touch somebody. Man. Pause. <laughs> Yo, King, what's up, man? We got any announcements, man? Combat Jack Show tour is still in effect. Yes. We're on a little uh, hiatus. Is it a hiatus, man? I mean, I know the, the London thing wasn't part of the Reboot. tour. Is it a uh, re- refresh? We are the the re- UK leg. Yes, the UK I mean, the leg US, is completed. The, the US leg is now back in effect. Back in effect. August yes. 13th. ATL Shouty. Atlanta. Atlanta. Do we have a place yet? Uh, I think we have a venue just trying to solidify, but the details will be up soon. A link and all that stuff, and we'll announce our special guest very, very soon. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't lock in our special guest yet. I mean, you know, we got a few options. Coach, <laughs> <laughs> I just sneeze a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we got a few options. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. What else is going on, man? <sighs> Afropunk. What are we doing at Afropunk? Afropunk. We the loudspeakers. The, the entire loudspeakers. We got the loudspeakers network lounge. Yes. At Afropunk. At Afropunk. You're going to see the Reed, mm-hmm. the Combat Jack Show, mm-hmm. Fan, Fan Bros. Friend Zone. Friend Zone. Yes, come on out. I mean, the whole, we, the whole gang is going to We got some merchandise. We want to talk to y'all. We want to meet y'all. I, you know, the greatest thing about this summer, man, is meeting so many of y'all that have been supporting us, either the Combat Jack Show or the entire Loudspeakers Network movement. And I really appreciate just, just, just touching y'all and talking to y'all and looking y'all in your eyes and Y'all telling us your favorite episodes. That That's so special to me, man. So, you know, come out, man, and let's Instagram it up, man. Word. Anything else, man? Uh, Subscribe, rate, and comment to the weekly drop. Yes. You know what I mean? Thank you for your support. I appreciate it, you know. The we weekly drop. Something. We build something. How, how was the live show, man? Live show was good. Shout out to Dime a Dozen. Dime a Dozen. You know, that was our first uh, uh, guest for the live format, okay. which is pretty cool. Nice. Shout out to Much Mores in Williamsburg for allowing us to rock out there. Are you going to continue doing the live event? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We're okay. working on some things. You know, I've been getting a lot of interest from a lot of dope, dope, dope guys you like. That's you know hot. What I mean? That's so, hot. That's you know, hot. We're moving. And, 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 you know, internets, you know, as as King is, is, is plugging the spinoff, please also go rate, comment, and subscribe to the Combat Jack Show on iTunes. Yep. Um, comment, 
and subscribe on SoundCloud. You know, once again, man, the feedback is great. Love the feedback, even the hate. I, I love the hate. I love the love. Just keep on bringing it, man. And, and hit us up too if you got a, a, a Ford or a Volvo. Was it Volvo? Yeah, Ford or Volvo. If you're rocking with the Apple Play and you listen to the Combat Jack show, I want to know how how's it. Oh, so, so 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 Apple Play is is in the console right now. Yeah, the new the new. Uh, oh, so y'all are fully integrated into podcasts. Well, I mean, if the so you motherfuckers have no fucking excuse anymore. Assuming that they have a 2016. Okay. Because I got a 2011 for we, we, you know, it's still, it's not popping like that. Auxiliary coil. Tesla? So with the Teslas? I don't know. Tesla, man, they might not have. They might not listen to, <laughs> it might just be, <laughs> I don't know. Air music. <laughs> Cable. Okay, listen, internets. Um, I'm really happy to have our guests on, today's guests on, man. We've been going back and forth for a long time, man. And, you know, I had the, um, the great fortune to interview him. I would say a couple of weeks back on, on Sirius XM Baxman, by the way, you know, um, I finally signed a contract. I have a weekly show yeah. on Sirius XM Backspin called the back combat Jack show backstory where I interview legacy artists. And I had the opportunity to interview this man right here. I've been following his career ever since he jumped out with the juice crew. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 uh, Molly mall album. Um, was, is it in control? You know what I'm saying? The album cover, was so iconic, you know what I'm saying? Listen, internet. Without further ado, let's welcome Master Ace to the Combat Jack Show. Yeah, Ace, yeah, Brooklyn, action is in effect. Yo, what's up, Ace? Brooklyn, what's going on? Good Yo, to be we here. got Brooklyn in the building. Brownsville. It's a long time coming. Brownsville for sure. Yes, sir. Howard houses. Yes, sir. Howard houses. Look at you, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, from Howard to Hollywood, right? Man, <laughs> and back again. Well, not necessarily back again. Still trying to get to Hollywood for real, for real. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Good to be here. Good to be seen. It was good to see you at the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival as well, man. Yeah, that was, um, I wasn't planning on being out there, but, uh, you know, my man Talib reached out uh, through his peoples and asked me, was I down to come down there and do, do Crooklyn with Special Ed and Buckshot? And I was like, absolutely. Whenever it's all three of us, it's always a nice, nice, nice move. How was it on that stage, man? It was cool, man. You know, I was raining and all that, but it was, I was, I was happy to see that uh people were standing out there with the umbrellas getting wet but having a good time yes. you know you know in brooklyn we're a little too fresh we you know start raining we got to get inside indoors everybody start leaving Find some plastic don't want to get their sneakers dirty all of that but people people stayed and, and, and showed love now it was it was a good turnout man it was a very good turnout. it was man. it was it usually is for that though usually uh, is um what was the response man because you know you had a i guess you had a wide range of generations in that audience, man. Yeah. Did, 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 did they rock with y'all when you was on stage? Yeah. When, I mean, when I ran out, um, I definitely heard some sort of a reaction, right. which is always good. You know, um, my my relationship with the borough is always weird because I'm from there, but I, I always felt like whenever I performed at home, it was always a little lackluster, a little, mm-hmm. little, little lukewarm reception type vibes going on, but I didn't get none of that that day. I got, right. it, felt, it, felt, it felt good. Good man, and and it was good to see Special Ed too, man. I haven't seen yeah. Special Ed in a long time. Yeah. Ed, Ed is on an, an, on some 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 of these shows with um with Moni Love, Chub Rock, Kwame. They got like a um a little conglomerate performing thing that they do. Um, it's called the um, what is it called? Not the Legends. It's it's called uh something like that though. Right. But they they travel together and they do like a. The, the the Dana Dane is one of them. Mm. They do a full show with all of them, kind of like interchanging, like it's, it's it's all in one type of thing. And they they took they took that on the road. They they out every weekend doing shows. Yeah, how often do you get a chance to reunite with those other cats to do Crooklyn Dodgers, man? 
we've only done that song, all three of us, I want to say, in in history. Right. Maybe five times. That's it? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, maybe five times. Do y'all have to, do you have to rehearse? Do y'all rehearse nah, together? Or I don't just... have to rehearse because I, I, I do my verses in my show. Right. When I perform in Europe, I do all three of my verses in my show back to back. Right. So it's it's second nature for me. You know, I know right before we got on stage, because um, Ed, he always mixes up his second and third verse. He forgets which one goes there. So we literally like five minutes before we jumped on stage was going through the rhyme together. <laughs> right. Like he's like, how that part? How's the end? Because he needed to hear whatever the end line, my end line, so he could remember what his first line was. Right. So I had to go through my whole verse to get to the end so that he could jump in, and then we figured it out. And then he nah, was good. but y'all y'all pulled it off, man. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yo, you see Nas perform? I didn't. I left during Fab, unfortunately. Really? Because you know, I had my daughter out there, my okay. wife out there. The rain wasn't too friendly right. to, to to the vibes, so we we, we bounced. Yo, the, the Nas. I wish I'd have seen it. Nas came out. It was on some, some. It was marvelous, man. Yeah. And, and I didn't even get to see the show because I was backstage. But just the the energy, man. Yeah. And then, and then Fab, man. Fab Brooklyn baby. Brooklyn man. Listen, I was in Cali recently, and cats asked me. Um, what I thought of, we were talking about Brooklyn MCs, mm-hmm. and they asked me um, what I thought of Fab's legacy. And I was like, you know, in terms of like current cats, um, post 2000, you know, if there was anybody that was carrying, what they specifically asked me was who in Brooklyn would carry the torch if Jay wasn't around? Mm. And I was, you know, I, I I said Fab. I mean, what do y'all what do you, what do you what do y'all think about that? I mean, he's the he's the he's the he's the quick answer, right? Without giving a, a lot of thought, because he's the only cat really from the BK that still consistently got records on the radio. Consistently, consistently has a a hit. I mean, if it's just a street hit, right, right. But it's a hit that's playing in cars as they rock, drive by. Like he's like the only dude off the top of my head that's not on some underground stuff that. That brings through. So yeah, I guess that's a, that's a fair answer. Yeah. You know what's crazy though? When when they asked me that question, I was kind of like startled at how, you know, as much as I'm partial to Brooklyn MCs, I'm like, hold up, I can't think of so much more Brooklyn MCs to answer that question, man. Because because not a lot of dudes are in the forefront of what's happening right now. Right. Not it's 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 it's, it's very few. It's true. You know they they. There may be legacy artists that still perform and right. still have their catalog that they perform off of, but Fab is dropping mixtapes and albums, features and guests, and, and has yeah, he, and he still he still intermingles with whoever the hottest cats are. He's got the Drakes and those kind of people. He's still in the, in those circles, so he's still part of it. Yeah, man. You know we gotta get Fab back on the show, man. Salute Fab. So I listened to the new album, man. The Falling Season. Thanks. And we talked about this on on on, on Sirius, man. But what does that title mean? The Falling Season. Well, um, you know, the album takes you back to my high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with me walking into high school as a freshman, and it ends with me graduating from high school. But the, that, from the ages of about 13 to about 18 years old um, is what I'm describing as the falling season. It's that time in your life where um, certain decisions that you're going to make in those years um, may determine how the rest of your life uh, works out. And right. some of some of us make the right decisions and go on to shine in life. And some of us make the wrong decisions and we fall. And some, some of us don't get back up from that fall. So um, that's why I came up with the title. You know, what's crazy, man, is, is, is we came up around the same time. We went, you went to high school in the eighties. Yeah. 80 to 84. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how, especially back then, 
how severe, and I'm not taking anything away from, 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 from the, from the, um, you know, the pitfalls that, that young brothers and sisters face right now during that age. Right. But back then, man, the pitfalls were very severe. They were, they were. Cause we didn't see like particularly you said from 80 to 84. Yeah. You didn't see, we didn't, none of us saw that crack epidemic coming. No, didn't know what did. I mean, I mention this all the time and some people that are younger don't know nothing about this, but when crack came out, there was actually a song glorifying crack called crack it up. Mm -hmm. And it was just the new fad drug. Right. But that's because we didn't know. Yeah. The destruction hadn't happened yet. Right. So it, it was, was like a new thing to add to your weed or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so nobody knew any better. Why so. are you looking at me, King? You know, you want to take down the trip memory lane again? When, when Sadai X was here, they were talking about smoking woolies and, I mean, King, I mean, Angie Martinez that shit and she is still smoked wild crack me, bro. back then because it's we didn't still, know what it was. Yeah, but now that we know, now that we know what it did, what it is, yeah. and what it could, might, could still be, that shit is but, used but, crack, but, bro. But, but that's exactly what I'm, that's what we're saying back then. Nah, yeah. man. We were these innocent, like we were, you know, inner city, innocent kids not knowing what step, like, like, dude, I was in college and we rolled up crack. So we you, didn't know what that was. So you paved the way for the for us younger guys to not do that shit. I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway, <laughs> I really don't know. Your, what were you saying? Well, I'm not going to use crack. I'm not going to put it in weed. No, I, I didn't pave the way that the epidemic right. no, paved the way. You know, we yeah. were just like the outliers that that had a chance to be part of it and be out of it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was happening right before our eyes. I was, I was, I wasn't in the the substance abuse world at that age. Right. Like, there's probably some cats that was my age that was already dabbling. Other than weed, I didn't hear nothing about nobody doing nothing like coke and no crazy stuff like that. But beer, whatever. But, <laughs> um, you know, I had close friends who, when I went to college, they stayed in the neighborhood mm -hmm. and some of them started selling it. Right. And one of my really close friends allowed his apartment to become a crack house wow. two floors up from where I lived and his mom got on it and his sister got on it. Two sisters got on it real bad. So I came back from college and it's like, what the hell happened to his family? Like right. his mom's looking crazy, skinny, dirty, like homeless. Like she was just a working lady, like going to work and it's crazy. You know, it's it's funny, man, because around the same time, man, when I went to college in the mid-'80s, like, you know, shit was popping, went to college, and every time I would come back every summer, it was just crazier. Yeah. So we, we grew up on Lincoln Place between Albany and Troy Avenue. Okay. And, you know, it was a it was a lower working class. Everybody had their shit together. And I just remember, like, one summer coming back, and, and Troy Avenue was just new faces, cats getting shot, and just like, what happened? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and and there but for the grace of God, education and the whole not being away from that. Yeah. You know, you, you went to college. I went, I went, to, I went away, yeah. That saved our lives, man. And realized but being it was a good thing to be away those right. those those winters. Because it was wild in the winters. Yeah. It was, it was wild. wild in the winters too. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to the album, man, the falling season, man. Yeah. Like it, your album, what I like about your album, what I like about all of your albums is that is 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 very autobiographical in nature. This one definitely is. Um some of my past albums, like A Long Hot Summer and Disposable Arts, were more fiction-based mm -hmm. with, 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 with some reality kind of like to carry the story, but mostly fiction with a little bit of, you know, autobiographical um, 
instances put in there. Right. But this is actually the reverse. This is more autobiographical and very little bits of bits and pieces of fiction thrown mm-hmm. in to carry the story. Right. Now, who's the kid that narrates through the story, the album that plays you? Because he's yeah. good. Man. Yeah. His name is his name is Damian Neal. Um, he's actually the son of one of my high school football teammates. Okay. All of the all of the young kids' voices you hear on the album are sons of guys that I went to high school with and that I played ball with. I thought that that would be a cool touch to have their sons come in and play us at that age. So, you know, throughout your travels, man, did you did you keep close contact with your high school friends? Yeah, uh, quite a few. Okay. Um, really, because of football. Um, football creates this bond, this 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 brotherhood that that's different than just. Uh, somebody that's in your class, you know what I mean. Um, you spend a lot more time with this group of uh, students than you do with other students in, in in the in the building. So we find ourselves growing up together through those years. We're together d- during the winter. We're together every single day through football practice, through training, through weightlifting, through watching film. Uh, we ride the bus home together. Um, we ride the bus back to school together the next day. So during the football season, I mean, literally um, from from August to like just after Thanksgiving, we see each other every single day without a doubt because the team meets every single day. So because of that bond that was created from sports, um, we we're all closer. So we stay into all the guys that I'm still in touch with from high school. Just about all of them were on a football team. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And and and. When when you what was the process, man? When you when you came up with this concept for the falling season, did you just start reaching out to your friends and like, yo, can I use can I have your kid on the album? I didn't I didn't do that till much later. Like right. the the album, the songs were already kind of laid and in place, and I knew what I was doing musically. Um, and when I started to write the 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 script for the skits, um, I I was like, well, I can't play myself at. Mm-hmm. 14 that's not gonna make any sense right. My hey, voice is, are, yeah. hey teacher how are you doing right, right right so then i started thinking about auditioning kids and right. then i was like okay well wait a minute i know kids i let me reach out to my couple of sons see who's who, who's not too shy because right. some of some of them are just too shy but uh it was it was a great situation um you know my man harold harold neal he uh also goes by dj grand marquise but he Lives in Jersey, so he's like maybe twenty minutes away from me, close to me. So I reached out to him. Yo, you think your son want to do something like this? Right. He's like, yeah, you know, I think he'll do it. And uh, had him come down and read the script. He was very, very tense at first, very unsure of himself. But um, but I coached him all the way through it, and right. it, it came out beautiful. That's dope, man. Um, but the kid that plays you is amazing, man. Um, what I like also about the subject matter that you rap about, man, is I don't think I've ever heard another MC rap about the troubles of fighting to get into a good high school. Yeah. I don't think, have you ever heard that King, like any MC talking about, yo, trying to go to a good school, like, like, like Ace on the, have you heard the album? The new one? Yeah. No, not yet. Ace is like, there's this one song where where you really talk, he's rapping about getting into a good high school, man. Yeah. It's called 3000 Avenue X. Yes. Featuring your old Droog. It's the first song on the album. True. What up? Yeah. And, um, you know, the story is that my mom was actually living in Atlanta mm-hmm. during um, during uh, my seventh and eighth grade. She, right. she went down to Atlanta. To do what? 
to to start a new life. Okay. She was um, about to get this job down there. I mean, we was about to move there. Like okay. I was gonna be. So where were you staying? I was staying in, in Howard okay. with my grandmother. Okay. Okay. Um, in in the projects, but um, you know, so my grandmother held it down while my mom was 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 down there trying to create this new life. You know, um, she she had this job situation that looked like it was gonna be real promising, and the plan was you're moving out here at the end of eighth grade. As soon as you graduate. At the end of the summer, you're coming down to Atlanta and like, she said I was going to come down in like August and enroll in school down in Atlanta. Right. My life would have been completely mm. different had that happened. But so Yo, would you be a, would you be a Southern I, rapper? I might not even be a rapper though. <laughs> I might, I might not, I might not be a rapper. Right. Of course. Of course. I mean, that's the crazy thing about it. Like, you know, did you at, have a passion? I'm sorry to cut you off. Was, Internets. I'm sorry to cut Ace off. It's all right. <laughs> at that age, though, man, like in in high school, man, did you have that passion? Like like graduating from eighth grade. Yeah. Did the bug hit you? Like the music bug. I was already rapping when I graduated from eighth grade. Right. Um, but it was like a neighborhood thing. Right. It was like hobby shooting basketball. Right. I'm nice. Like what? Like who wanted? You know, right. all of that, all that bravado. But there was no thought of it being a career mm-hmm. or the idea of making a record that would be played on the radio. That wasn't even in my thoughts. So, you know, for it to turn into everything that it turned into is incredible. But, you know, coming out of eighth grade, I, if we had gone to Atlanta, I don't know if hip hop would have been in my forefront right. as much as it was right. staying in Brooklyn. But would you have been able though? Cause you know, when we travel, especially at that age, yeah. man, and we go to places that are new to us, man. We still want to define ourselves by where we came from. You do. So, I mean, sometimes when we go someplace, like what? When Tupac moved yeah. to, to Baltimore, he was MC New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no, I'm MC. Like, I'm yeah. from New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I wish I had like a space-time continuum yeah. to see your path and see yeah. if you would be like a pioneer of Southern hip-hop. Me too. Wow. Could have been T.I. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Before T.I. T.I. But anyway, so so your mom's setting up yeah. for this new life for you to go down to ATL. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. And um, Were you crushed? Nah. You didn't want to leave? I, I don't think I was with going down right. there. Okay. So that was cool, but we hadn't really given any thought to, to high schools. Mm. The, only, the only high school that was on the radar was Brooklyn Tech. Right. And Brooklyn Tech, you had to take a test. Mm-hmm. I took the test, and I got maybe ten or fifteen points below what would have got me in automatically. Right. right. They so said, were you waitlisted? Well, what it was was you had to go to summer school. Okay. It, it was algebra. That's what I I, I wasn't good at algebra. Right. I, I didn't know what algebra was. It was right. new to me. Right. So they had that on the test. I did did poorly. They said if you go to summer school at Brooklyn Tech and pass algebra, you can go to Brooklyn Tech in the, in, the, in the fall. So I started going to summer school, but here my mom is like, we we move in Atlanta. So I'm like, what am I going to summer school for? Yeah, so yeah. I started skipping days and, you know, I was missing days and all that. Like, I was like, whatever, like, uh, you know, um, and I wound up not passing the summer school. Right. <laughs> but now I don't have a school because right. we thought we was I was going, going to Atlanta. So there, there was this mad scramble to figure out what school I was going to go to. Um, at the end of eighth grade at the junior high school, they give you um this paper. And they just ask you to list one through ten your high school choices. Um, and literally with no information at all, I'm just writing down schools that I heard of that have football teams. Right. 
that's all I was writing down. Just okay, uh, you know, South Shore got football team. I put them Madison got football team. Sheepshead Bay football Lincoln, team. Did you put Lincoln? Lincoln had a football. I team. Might've, right, I right, might have. I might have. I just put a bunch of different, you know, ten different schools down. The list comes back. And they're like, okay, well, you can't get in this one and this one and this one. Um, Sheepshead Bay has 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 openings. Would you want to go there? Okay, I guess that's where I'm going. They got a team. Let's do it. And that's how, that's how I wound up there. Right. Yeah. Um, Brownsville. You know, you, you hear about Brownsville, how, how, how treacherous and how dangerous Brownsville is. That's a real thing. Was it like that back then? Like as, as the mm, neighborhood was starting to transition? It, it was. Um, again, being in college, I missed the gunplay part of it. Mm-hmm. When I was living there, it was definitely fights and dudes pulling knives, getting chased. That kind of stuff went on. I was around in the late 70s with the gang activity. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Stompers? No, nah, no. Nah, it was um, it was the um, Crazy Homicides okay. and another another gang called the Unknown Riders, which was their rivals or whatever, from East New York, I think. And so the guy who ran the Crazy Homicides, his name is Smokey. Yo, that's such a 70s yeah, his name, name for a 70s game. He's, gang. He lived in my building. Okay. 11th yeah. floor. Right. And you used to walk to school with me. When we was we was in eighth grade together, he was actually like two years older than me, but we was in the same grade, because uh, he was you know not about that school life. Right. He was about that street life. Right. But because of the relationship that his family had with my family, his mom would come down and borrow you know stuff from my grandmother, you know something to feed the kids, that kind of stuff. He would he would come down, you know. I guess my grandmother cut a deal on the side, like. Mm-hmm. Cause she knew that I was just a, a nice kid that wanted to do good in school. Right. I wasn't, you know, and walking, I had to walk to Ocean Hill, which was way up the hill to IS-271. So that was a pretty good walk from Brownsville. So she asked Smokey to walk me, you know, keep, mm. we was going to the same school. So why don't y'all walk together? Right. My grandmother knew that Smokey, nobody was messing with him. Right. So. That's smart, man. Yeah. That is smart. Y'all that, walk to school together. Right. So he would come down every morning, seventh grade, to get me. Smell the food. Yo, you got it smell good in here. Come on, sit down, have a little plate. <laughs> she would feed him every morning and then we would walk to school together. So I never had a problem. Ever. Ever. Smokey, I owe him a lot because when I was I wanna say it was seventh grade, we would walk to school every day. Uh we would get there early. There was like a little park right outside the school. We would sit uh on these little uh stone, you know, benches or whatever. Hang out until the bell ring. Bell ring. I would bounce. He would stay out there with his with his crew. Right. Bunch of street dudes never went to school. Right. I never knew what they did when I went inside the school. Did you wonder what they did? I did wonder. Right. So one day I decided when the bell ring, I'm just going to chill. So the bell rang. You know, dudes is talking, moving around, whatever. All the, all the kids going to school. I'm sitting out there with these dudes. I think Smokey might have been talking to a shorty on the side or whatever. Right. So one of the dudes pulls out like a little pistol, like a little Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. one of the little twenty fives or whatever. Saturday Night Special. Yeah, yeah, Saturday Night Special, and they passing it around or whatever. I'm just looking, I'm like, oh wow. And then Smokey looked up. It's like, yo, what the fuck you doing out here? Mm. Yo, this ain't you. This ain't you. Go to school. Mm. And I was like, all right. And I bounced, and I never did that again. Now I wonder if he had a opposite, if he'd. Embrace me into right, that. Come on in, little nigga. Right, yeah, me, yeah, you right, good. Yeah, right, you right, with us. Yeah, right, right. that's cool shit. He ain't do that, and he's. I owe him a lot. Is Smokey wow. still around, man? He passed away in May. Okay, this past May. Right. And I found out in a whack way, and I I wrote a nice post on Facebook about him, though. 
Yeah. Um, your mom's yeah. was very active in the civil rights movement? Um, she rolled with uh some Black Panther types mm. in the seventies, but um not really active in the civil rights movement, right. but definitely was rocking More the, revolutionary. Revolutionary, right. rock the Afros, rock the Dashikis, you know. Um when 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 the when the blackout hit and all of that, she was running out on picking that with the rest of the knuckleheads trying to, you know, get TVs out the store and all mm-hmm. that wild stuff. But for the most part, I mean, she 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 smoked weed most of her life, um, which is interesting because I never smoked weed, right? Um, ever ever. I mean, I tried it when right. I was like thirteen or right. something, but I wasn't. It wasn't a thing for me. Um, Why not? I don't know. I because I I think it's because I didn't like seeing her do it, right? Um, but you know, she 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 became a professional. She got her degree at Pace University the year after I got my degree and graduated from college. Cause she was she was taking just classes, but very very like a couple of credits here, a couple of credits there. It took me four years to graduate from college. It probably took her like seven, mm. but she got her degree, right. moved out to D.C., was working um, as a consultant for the you know the federal government, making nice money, bought a house. Like she was the first homeowner in our immediate family. Wow! So she did a lot of great things. Yeah. Did she have you read a lot of books, man, growing up? It was reading was definitely something that was emphasized. I I liked reading actually, so it wasn't even a matter of um, I just liked reading. Right. Um, I, I I really would like to get that passion back. I miss I miss reading. I you know, because we're in this like age now where just going to computer and whatever whatever. It's, you know, um, I miss having having a a nice book. Right. But you know, education was always paramount. In, in in my household, it was something that, that was taken very seriously. It was emphasized. And so I just embraced it. That's what it was. And, and, and that's the route that I went. What book changed your life at that age, man? Man, um, at that at that age, I, 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 I think it was high school, though, but I, I read Catcher in the Rye. Mm. And we, it, was a, it was a required reading book. And it's such a fucking depressing book, man. I know, I know. But... Halden Caulfield. Yeah. But it... it, it it opened up my mind to different ways of thinking. I, you know, I think I was like kind of very linear and this is just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one way. This is how it is. And then I read that book and I was like, you can be a lot of different things. You, mm. you don't have to be this one way. You right. can be a little bit off the beaten path and it's okay and whatever. So yeah, that was, that was probably one of the books I read back then. That book impacted me. Cause I was like, I, I didn't know books could be so fucking depressing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was very depressing, very graphic. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. But at the same time, you know, um, what I did love about that book, though, was, um, damn, this is some adult stuff. Yeah. With the with the main character being our age. Yeah. Like, this is real life. Like, life is nothing to fight. Life ain't no hoe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, there's this thing, and, and we talked about it on Serious Man. This There's this thing that I always got from you, man. Like, like. And it's not a, a arrogant thing. It's just like just the energy that you exude. It's like there's this this high level of ex- intelligence. Um, your brain is always working. You're an amazing MC, but you're like <sighs> kind of like frustrated in a sense in terms of like the extended environment and in your, your rap environment. Is 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 that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I've gotten over the frustration part right. of it. You know, um, I kind of have accepted where I am, who I am, what my lane is. And I've accepted that 
I'm not um, I'm not a I'm not for the general public in terms of taste. Mm-hmm. Um, the general public is more interested in watching a sitcom. See, I, I, I categorize these things like this sitcoms, movies and books. Right. And I think that what I do is more like a book because it requires a commitment of time that goes a little bit beyond a sitcom. You sit down 30 minutes, you crack, you laugh, it's over. You go do what you got to do. A movie takes a little bit more commitment of time. You got to actually go out, spend money, you know, sit down there for two hours, two and a half hours. And commit to being in that dark room and watching that, that movie. But reading a book is a totally different type of a commitment. You're talking about hours end on end, sitting down, page after page, you know, putting a bookmark in, sitting in the side, coming back to it. Um, so I understand that everybody doesn't like to read books. Right. And that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, Sugar Hill Gang, Change yeah. Your Life. Um, The song Rapper's Delight had a big impact on me because... It was the first time I heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that experience, man. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, that was the first. It wasn't the first rap record I ever heard. Right. Somebody actually, we had some friends in from Sweden um, this past weekend. You you actually met them real briefly. Um, they were from Sweden, and she, uh, the, the lady that was there, her name is Camille. Her son, Kevin, he's, he's 11 years old, 12 years old. And he said that his teacher told him the first rap song was Rapper's Delight. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, that's not the first rap no, song. The second one. I said, King Tim the Third, Fatback Band, yep. and he didn't know anything about mm-hmm. it. So I pulled it up on my phone. I show, I played it for him on and everything. And I said, this is the first rap song. Right. But rappers delight because they were rapping over a groove that sounded like Good Times, which is what we played in the parks and what, and what, what the neighborhood about. rappers rap right. to. Right. Put it on a whole nother level. So. It was my my best friend's uh, sister's sweet sixteen party, and it was one of those um, it was one of those parties where you just cleared all the furniture out the living room and put it in the back rooms or whatever, and all the teenagers came in to dance. And when that record came on for the first time, the, everybody went crazy, started dancing, dancing. It it was back then. It wasn't no DJ. It wasn't no mixer. None of that. It was. The record ended, the arm lifted up, it went back to the beginning and went down and started over. We let that thing go back like four times because mm-hmm. that's how hot that moment was. It was a bunch of disco, but then that, that record ruled the night. Yeah. When did you decide that you wanted to start rapping? Even just like, was it was it at that point or was it before when, when Cats was lining up to rhyme the good times and, and, and take me to the Mardi Gras and Super Sperm and all of those records? It wasn't. It wasn't until um, the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. So, late seventies. I'm in junior high school. Rappers Light was seventy nine, right? Yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm in junior high school. Um, we're getting these tapes from the Bronx, from Queens. Cold Crush. Yeah, Cold but this Crush. is even before the Cold Crush tapes. This was just um, Flash or um, Charlie Chase just mm. cutting up breaks, mm. Theodore. Just bringing back break beats, just just chopping up, you know, Mardi Gras mm-hmm. for fifteen minutes. Then put on Sing Sing, mm-hmm. fifteen minutes. Then put on, you know, one of these other grooves, um, Long Red or something. And so we were trying to emulate those tapes. Right. So we created a little DJ crew, 
You know, we had the mismatched turntables, mm-hmm. some little mm-hmm. beat up mixer. Mm-hmm. We threw it all together. Frankenstein sets. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, we were using the headphones for the mic, whatever. And that's how it started. I, I was a DJ. It was five mm-hmm. of us in the crew. I was maybe the fourth best DJ in the crew of five. So I wasn't one of the better dudes. So eventually those same tapes that were coming downtown started to have rapping on mm-hmm. them. And that's when you started hearing Cold Crush and they harmonizing and mm-hmm. all of that. And I said, well, you know, we're making these tapes. Maybe I can contribute by putting some 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 lyrics on these instrumentals that Especially we've been since doing. You were the fourth since friend. I'm the fourth best DJ, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not really, you know, cutting it. Right. So um I started putting some vocals on on our tapes. And that's really how it got started. Right. Um and I started off literally Biting what those guys were saying on their tapes, changing a couple of words, fitting lime my, to a lemon, lemon to a exactly, lime, exactly, and fit <laughs> and f- and fitting my name into the flow, and it, it worked, you know, and 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 that was kind of how it started. So, who was your first influence, man? Was it Melly Mel or was it Grandmaster Cass? It was actually Charlie Wop. Charlie Wop, a guy on my sixth floor, the okay. sixth floor of my building. Okay, who his name was Charles Hardison. Mm-hmm. Charlie Wop, he lived he lived one floor below me. He would come outside with a with, with his with his big two 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 speaker radio, playing his rhymes. Put the box down, press play, and play it for the whole block. And then later that night, they would turn the music on in the park, and he would go down there and get on the mic and rhyme. And I was wow. like, "Yo, that dude is that's 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 what's up right Yo, there. Whatever that is." You just reminded me, man. Like we get so caught up on like our earliest influences being these well known names. That we forget actually the neighborhood, the neighborhood cats. Dude, yo. Because in Crown Heights, there was two cats that was real. Well, two was this one crew called the Apache Nation. Okay. And they was crazy. And then there was this little cat, a little, little, little ball dude named Kojak. Kojak was ill. And if you could fuck with both of them, then you had that rep in the neighborhood. Right. To even consider yourself, oh, now I could rap on these records, man. It's, right. it's, it's crazy, man. Right. It's crazy going back, man. Um, Do you still DJ, man? Like on a on a random sound check, right. you know, we doing sound check. I might be let me get on there real quick right. and play around. But you know, you leaving money on the table right now. Nah, hey. I, I I have to respect the real DJs out there because I know they hate that cats go out and get DJ celebrity gigs DJs. because they're celebrities or because they're known or whatever. I want to start. Would yeah. you be mad at me if I nah, start? I would, I'm not. A, I'm not. Right. It, it'll be the DJs that'll be. Right, yeah. You take you taking food. Hey, DJ. I've done it once right. or twice, but right. um, did you like it? It was cool. It's a right. lot of pressure, though. Also, it's a lot of pressure. Well, cause you know, bringing everything in on beat, and mm. you know, it's been a minute since right. I like chopped something, right. dropped, and and did that live in front of an audience. Doing it in front of a crowd of people that are there to party is a whole different experience than right. just doing it in a room with your boys and y'all right. playing around. Because if you mess up, it's whatever. You keep going. You got to be in that moment, man. Yeah, man. you do. I mean, I've, I mean, some of the best DJs I've seen them put a record on and the mint like the two seconds in that record doesn't work yeah they switch it you know what i'm saying yeah. you got to be so in tune man. yes 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 you got to literally practice that stuff man um but i, I dj at the apartment that's where I, that's why apartment it. yeah yeah i Damn. think i did a, i did like a maybe a 30 40 minute set right there. right they let me get on do something yeah I want, you know, the, the the next time you dj man if that happens i want to come man i don't i don't have nothing on the calendar okay so don't, don't, don't. okay okay <laughs> yeah. now now actually man like in terms of how rap goes you're actually kind of a late bloomer in terms of like how your career started like you went to college first 
I did. That's college first. That's kind of odd, right? right? Um, I'm one of the few. Sadly, that's odd. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm one of the few that did it, you know, that way. Um, and it's crazy because I get young artists coming up to me, and they're like, you know, I, I rom. You know, they in high school. I rom, but you know, I'm trying to really, really get out there, whatever, whatever. You know, you got any advice for me? And whenever I tell them, yo, I didn't step in a studio until I graduated from college. Right. I said, so I had I had a degree in my back pocket. You had a career in mind. Yeah. I was going into marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. and I had a career in my back pocket. I said, if the rap thing didn't work out, my plan B was already set, right. set up. And, yeah, and, and really, rap wasn't even plan, plan A. Right. College, you know, prepared me for plan A. Hip-hop was really plan B if it worked out. It, right. it wasn't something that I thought was going to really literally work out. You know what I mean? But... um. The year I graduated from college, 88, I, I came home that same year. I went into a studio with Marley Mall, recorded a couple of demos. We wound up uh, recording uh, the symphony. Hold on, hold on. You got you to go back, though. Yes. How did you meet Marley Mall? Let's talk about the, let's oh, talk about the contest okay. All right. at the skating rink. United States of America. Yes. That's, that's, that was where the contest was. Um, you weren't going to, you all initially weren't going to go. Well, yeah, it was Christmas break. I was home from college. It was 86. I was home from uh, for, for Christmas break, and we had just had dinner. And my boy Scooter, Scooter Rockwell from Marcus Garvey uh, Village, Pr- Brownsville, he called me up. He's like, yo, I'm about to go out to USA and Queens and get into this rap contest. You want to go? I'm like, nah, you know, it's Christmas. I'm here with the family, whatever. You know, I, I ain't going to mess with it. Hung up the phone. My mom's overheard the conversation. She's like, why don't you just go? You know, it's, we ate already. Everybody, anybody doing nothing. We just watching TV, whatever. Go ahead. Go hang out with him. So I run back to the phone, call Scooter back. Sister pick up. He left. I'm like, damn. You can't, you can't try to catch him? All right, hold up. She put the phone down. I hear her open the door, go outside, yelling his name down the block. <laughs> he comes back. He tells me where to meet him at. Because if, if, if she didn't ex- go that extra right. mile... To go outside and call him down from up the street. You'd be in marketing. Right. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be writing Budweiser commercials. Right. For real. You know what I'm saying? But um, so she, she, she did that extra step. He comes back. He tells me where to meet him. I get on the train. I'm on my way to USA. I'm rehearsing my ROM on the train, messing up the ROM. Like, damn, I can't be messing this ROM up. Right. We get there. Were you nervous? I don't know. I don't, it was almost like. I didn't. I guess I was. Right. I, I don't. I don't remember feeling any real anxiety other than the fact that I was messing the rhyme up mm-hmm. on my on my way there, and I was like, I can't get up in front of all these people. I had never been on stage by myself before. Mm. I'd only been on stage one other time. That was at my high school uh, talent show, and we were in a we were in a group called Come Alive Five. It was five of us. So it's it, a fly name, man. It's, it's Come Alive Five. Yeah. It's comfortable because it's for the dudes up there. And it's so, high school. So and everybody ain't looking at you. Right, and right. everybody in the audience is people that you know anyway. Right. Different, different situation. Now I'm going up to be in this contest and get up in front of a bunch of people that are complete strangers to me that could care less. In Queens. Yeah. So there was 30 people in the con- that entered the contest that day. God damn. Yeah. And I was, they put me like 15th. I was right in the middle. Was there any... Other people that became known on no, that? no not that okay. night. Right, right. Other people have won that contest after right, me. Right. Super Lover C wow. uh, uh, won it. Father MC I heard mm-hmm. was a winner. I didn't even know that. Um, 
yeah, I think those are the two for sure that I, that I, that that won it. But but anyway, um, I uh, I get up on the stage by myself, first time ever in front of a crowd of people, and all of that nervous energy and that worried about forgetting the rhyme, it just went away, mm. and I just was in a zone. Now, mm-hmm. I, I often wondered like, why was I so comfortable up there? But I, I was listening back to the cassette because I have the actual cassette from you that. Still night. have it? Yeah, I still have it, and. Everybody that went before me was rhyming over, almost everybody rhymed over Tila Rock, It's Yours. Mm-hmm. Super typical rhyme schemes, like just real, real, I'm the best and the baddest, you can't mess with me. It was like that. Everybody was doing the same thing. Right. So I was like, well, what I got is way different than all of this. Right. I got a whole, like a routine with like a chorus and everything. My first, um, the first part of my routine was a rhyme called Silver Suckers. Can I can can we hear a little bit of that? Man? Oh, I don't remember that. You don't remember? I don't it? remember it. I don't okay. remember. I might remember a line or two. Right, right. But um, it was about dudes who wore sterling silver. Because mm-hmm. early seventies silver was what you wore. Yes. But once the eighties hit, it was all about gold. Yes. Fourteen karat gold. So if you was wearing sterling silver in the eighties, you was straight looking crazy. Was dudes, was, dudes was dissing you. It just, I saw the Ramas is called Silver Suckers. It just so happened to be a dude in the audience with truck, Mr. T, Sterling Silver. Wait, wait oh, he man. had truck? Truck Silver. Wait, wait truck, I, I don't think I've seen silver, but I don't think I've truck. ever seen truck. Truck Silver. Silver. Truck, truck Silver is? Big, big ass, big, like big, like Mr. T. Like a lot of, a like lot a of jewelry, rope, like but it was rope, all silver. Like a silver rope. But it's real ju- silver though, right? We guess. Maybe. <laughs> silver color. Silver aluminum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the fact that he was in the audience was like a, a perfect scenario for this rhyme that I'm about to spit. Right. Mm. So I start spitting the rhyme. Mm-mm. And then um, as soon as I start the rhyme, everybody's like, yo, he talking about him. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so that won me over. And then I go. And did you buy into that? Did you really start zeroing in on this dude? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm. I pointed suckers, <laughs> silver suckers. They're nothing but suckers. Everybody start singing it, silver <laughs> suckers. Yo, yo, you lucky he didn't clap you. Nah, he, <laughs> he was a sucker. He didn't want it. So you then, owe that man your career too, though, man. man listen, listen. <laughs> so then the, the then the routine changed. The beat the the beat changes, and I go into this other rhyme uh, called "A Hoe Is a Hoe," mm-hmm. which is basically. Um, patterned after Lottie Dottie, Dougie mm-hmm. Fresh and Slick Rick routine, um, where I'm telling a story about meeting a girl and they got a whole bunch of punchlines right. and surprise little spots in it or whatever, and the, and and the drum is the, the beat um, machine is programmed to drop out on the on the on the on the key lines. Right. So, at the end of that last line, when the, when the beat drop, ah, just. Overwhelming, screaming, yelling, everybody unanimous. going crazy. You want, you want the unanimous. unanimous. And there was, there was still more people to perform, right. but you were a hard act to follow. It was nothing. so you knew you won that night. You knew you won. I knew I won point. that night. That point. At that point. At that point. At number fifteen. I knew I was right in the mix. Right. They still had to do the cheering at the end and mm-hmm. all of that, but it was an overwhelming win. But what I didn't know was I had to come back next week right. for round two. Okay. So I had to come back next week, but wait, I can't come back with the same rhymes. I got, I got to do something different. Got to work now. But now I got to write it, memorize it, and then come back and perform it. Perform it. Man, so I came back the following week. I did the whole is the whole rhyme, but I changed the whole second verse. I I wrote a whole new second verse with an even crazier ending. And um, 
the um the the last line the the punchline that 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 killed it was um I was talking about um meeting your your, your geometry teacher her name is Miss Green she says she's thirty five she could pass for nineteen Miss mm, Green right right, right. Green. so so <laughs> the rom talks about you know you needed some extra work in math help in math and she tells you to come by her house and this and that and then um extracurricular Miss Green yeah yeah and then I said um you lick her stomach. Uh, mm. No, no, you were the learner. She was the shower. You licked her stomach. She said, lick lower. And everybody's like, uh. And then I was like, that bitch is bugging. That's just for the birds. Because my lips don't touch, touch no lips that don't speak words. Uh, uh, party was, it was over that. Because back then, you know, eating eating pussy wasn't really like something we, as a teenager, was like, nah, When son. you got signed, though, did you, like, yeah, buddy. Listen, so the, the, <laughs> the, 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 I mean, I was still young, so, you know. That I like the way he deflected that. <laughs> the lyrics um got got me to win. Right. But then the six hours of studio time was with Marley Marl, and that's what launched my career. Wow. That's crazy. So. You met Craig G first. I met Craig G first, sitting on a bench right. in Queens Bitch Projects, waiting six and a half hours for Molly Mall to come home so that we could record my first demo. Was the Juice Crew a thing? It was time? a the, the song Juice Crew Law had definitely been out. Right. Um, you know, Mr. Magic was definitely saying Juice Crew on the air. So yeah, it was a thing. Right. Yeah. And 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 it was a, it was a, was it was Shan Kane. Cool G Biz. Kane was brand new. Kane was brand Kane new. Kane was brand new. Right. So all Kane had out was um Raw. Nah, not even Raw. He had just rhyming with Biz and he had uh his own single, uh Get Get Into It. Mm-hmm. Get into it. Right. I can't remember what the other side was. Get into right. Get Into It and another joint. Um but Kane was like brand new. Raw hadn't even come out yet. Was tragedy around tragedy Gaddafi? I didn't know who he was then, right. but it, when Marley started to put the uh in control album together that was when I found out about Trash. Was there like this official, like, yo, you were part of the Juice Crew? Or was nah. it the- No, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't until, honestly, until um, the Symphony video came out. Right. And I'm in the video. My name goes across the screen. I'm up there with all of these other artists that are affiliated with Juice Crew. And that made me officially Juice Crew from a, from an audience standpoint. But, but Tyrone Williams, Fly Ty... He 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 contended that I wasn't part of the Juice Crew back then because I didn't sign to their management. Right. They had a um, management called Superstar Management where the label was your manager. Right. Which I knew was a conflict of interest because I had a you know I was yeah, like a college degree. Well, how y'all gonna manage me? <laughs> yeah. Y'all the label. Right. So conflict of interest. So I just ne- I, I I had my own manager separate. I was the only person with their own manager. Right. Um, Craig eventually got his own manager later too, but um. So he, I remember him coming in, 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 into the offices one day, like, Master Ace ain't Juice Crew, cause he ain't, he ain't, he ain't down. If you ain't down with Superstar, you not Juice Crew. That's, that's the kind of stuff he used to come in, right, just, right, just right, right. barking out, you know. But to the audience, cause I remember when I, when I first heard Sympathy, when I first, and, and, and internets, I know this is before your time, man, but that Molly Mall, y'all need to download, y'all need to go to iTunes and, and cop that, that In Control Molly Mall album. It's a very classic album that, that really doesn't get, the accolades that it deserves because everything there's no skippable records there's no skippable songs on that album that tragedy tragedy joint live motivator Tra- was live motivator 
Your joint, your joint is, is crazy too. Your joint was crazy. My joint was cool. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Because because you know what it was. Trust me, man. It's like I bought the album to hear Kane. Yeah, I bought the album to hear Cool G. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Kane don't even have a song on the no, album. but 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 he just gets symphony. But verse. yeah, but I mean, yeah. but he's you know what I'm saying he's on yeah. the, on the cover. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but then it's like who's tragedy? Who who's 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 ace? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like that that curiosity. Yeah. But you almost didn't make the symphony record. Yeah, I wasn't scared. I wasn't supposed to be on the song. Right. Tell know? us how. Tell us how you got on that man, and and how you got to you got to open up the record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the the day that we shot the the, the photo. For the back of the cover, if you flip that that album cover over, Marley Marley Control, you'll see a bunch of us standing by an airplane. And um, that same day, they was after the photo shoot, the plan was that they were going to Marley's crib in Astoria to record one more song. Right. Um, and basically, Marley was driving, but they, but he couldn't take everybody. Mm-hmm. I was driving, so I said, all right, cool. I, me and Craig is mad cool. Craig will ride with me. Whoever else, whoever else want to ride with me can ride with me. So I followed Marley back to his crib in Astoria. Just wanted to tag along. Really, literally just wanted to see G-Rap and Kane in the studio do their thing. Right. Like, I was just, like, happy to Fan, be. Fan, spectator. Yeah, yeah, totally spectator. So Marley put the beat on, and I'm just sitting in the living room. Like, and everybody got their pen and their pad. Craig got his pen, his pad. They writing. The, it was supposed to be uh, the, those three guys, and MC Sham was supposed to be the fourth right. MC. Uh, but he didn't show up. Right. You know, um, you know, Marley told us one thing, you know, I know Shan came out and said it, that it wasn't that, it was something else. Bottom line, he he elected not to be a part of the record. So Which I, is crazy. Was it ego? It was definitely ego. Right. Because he was the biggest artist. He was the LL. He was the, the biggest he was the biggest artist at that time. Right. Period. So did he feel like I mean you don't know what he felt, but 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 was know. it beneath him or was it that that's that's the way Marley communicated it to right. us. Right. You know, Shan said he don't want to be on a song with a bunch of new jacks. Right. He don't want to be on a song with a bunch of niggas. Yeah. So <laughs> w- w- whatever whatever the real reason right. was, you know, Shan said it because Marley was jerking him for money or right. whatever. Who knows? Right. But the bottom line was I was just there to be there. Right. And when it came time for Deuce to start laying vocals down, there was a, a hesitation about who was going to go first. Nobody wanted to go first. Let G go first. No, let Craig go. No, let Kane go. Back and forth, back and forth. And you're just sitting there. I'm just sitting there. Like watching craziness. Little did I know Marley was going to turn to me and go, yo, Ace, you got a rhyme? You could just, you know, bless the mic. Just warm the mic up for these guys since they acting all scared. Right. I was like, "Uh, yeah, okay, I got something. And I went in the booth and I I went in my mental Rolodex and I laid one of the rhymes that I had in my head. I walked around with rhymes, 10, 10, 12 rhymes in my head at all times. So I spit one of those memorized rhymes, and I don't think there was any intention on him keeping my verse. I right. think it was purely to get guys loosened up. Mm-hmm. So then Craig did his verse, and G, you know, G. Rabbit and Kane, everybody did their joint, and um, and then the song was done. And then I think the afterthought. Well, Kane actually told me separately that him and G. Rap had a conversation on the side when, when it was first proposed that I was going to go in and rhyme. Mm-hmm. They was like. Yo, who's this, who's this guy? What's this, what's this guy about? What's he doing? Because yeah. you weren't part of that. They was calling me Glasses. Glasses. Like, Yo, what's up with Glasses? Right. Like, I don't know about Glasses. Because they had already had a bond. Yeah, they right. did. They did. Because they were super lyrical. Them dogs mm-hmm. were super lyrical. But so there was this, you know, reluctance to even, you know, hear what I was going to even do. So then I said, I did my rhyme. 
And then Kane was like, to G-Rap, like, yo, I think glasses kind of kind of killed it. Yo. Glasses kind of nice. So I think they pulled Marley to the side and was like, yo, I think you should keep him on the record. This is kind of dope what he did. And that's how I got on the record. Just like that. You know, when I when I go back through my favorite crews, man, and, and it just hit me like about, I think, two years ago. I mean, it's 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 you, it's Kane, it's Cool G Rap, it's Shane, it's Bismarck, it's Craig G, it's it's tragedy, it's it's Roxanne Shante, and it's Molly Mall. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I think the Juice Crew is the greatest rap crew of all time. Like I think so, man. I mean, any arguments in the room? Like, can you think of any other crew? I mean, I'm over. You got we got other guys. There's in the a room. lot of crews. It's, There's it's, a lot of crews, but like. Molly Mall is part of the crew. Right. We got the producer in house and everything. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, mean Wu Tang. They got RZA. Wu- they, they got they got RZA. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wu Tang. Definitely Wu Tang is up there. Yeah. But yeah. no women. No women. Y'all still y'all still y'all still had a woman. That's true. Y'all still had a woman. And, and yeah, y'all know. But damn. But but I say that to say though. Native tongues, that's true. But 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 that's is that a crew? Is that a fucking army? This but they don't have records. They don't. Have, they have like no, one. Right, right. They have like buddy, buddy, buddy. We got Guy Rute. You know, buddy's, fact, buddy's fact checking in the background. What's up, guy? Yes. Um, but in actuality, man, the Juice Crew wasn't a crew, right? Technically, it wasn't. Yeah, it was just. Uh, you know, Magic created that 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 term. Right. I actually heard that, and, and I don't know how accurate this is. I heard that the Juice Crew was because Magic came up with the name. And Melly Mel, and I think Kaz, Grandmaster Kaz, was in the original Juice Crew that 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 that, that Magic was talking about, right. and then he carried the name over to to Coachella. I can't even imagine, man. I know, I know. I can't even imagine because that's not even like Cross Borough, which is. I mean, you guys. I mean, you were from Brooklyn, came from, came Brooklyn. from Brooklyn, but you know, the Juice Crew was seen as like a Queens crew. Yeah. But yeah. damn, for like the cats from the Bronx and Uptown, that'd have been crazy, man. I know, that'd I know. have been crazy. Business, business from all over. Business the place. from all over. Yeah, that's yo. How was it working with Mister Magic, man? Because Mister Magic, man, he rests in peace, man. Like, yeah, changed all of our lives. Like listening to to, to WHBI, listening to Mister Magic, like the earliest rap radio format. Yeah, I don't. Known to man, I don't have any stories. No, any real uh, good stories in terms of working with Magic. Cause you got bad stories. I don't have any good stories. Right, right, right. Um, my interaction with him was never anything that made me feel good. Right. So was he a taskmaster? Was he? A, nah, uh, I, we didn't have. I mean, no, he wasn't a taskmaster. It just was. He had a he had a certain personality. Right. I, I heard. I heard he, he he could. He was. He had a certain. personality. No disrespect to him, but he had. Rest in peace. He right. had a per, certain personality. Right. So Marley would invite dudes up to BLS to rom. Mm-hmm. Magic don't know who we are. Right. I'm up there. I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for Marley to come out because that's how it happened. We would sit in the lobby. I mean, in the uh, waiting area. Right. On that, whatever floor that was, eighth floor or whatever. And then eventually Marley would come out and get us and bring us back. And we were wrong. Right. But if Magic came out to go to the bathroom and saw dudes, he would kick dudes off the floor. Mm. Y'all can't wait up here. Y'all got to go in the lobby downstairs. Right, right, right. So, you know, I got salty from those type of interactions mm-hmm. early on. 
Um, um, but um, legend that he is in radio. Yes, undeniable. Undeniable. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on the BDP shots, man? I wasn't down yet. Right. So, so all that was I, before that was before your time. Yeah, I wasn't even. I hadn't even won the contest yet. Right. Okay. Um. So I was going to Latin quarters on you know Friday nights. Um, they was playing South Bronx and I was doing the Rambo like mm-hmm. everybody else mm-hmm. dancing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when, when the bridges over came out, I'm singing every word, like partying. <laughs> yeah. I, I hadn't met Marley yet. Right. So I wasn't even part of that battle. Like I, I didn't get down to after all of that. You, because BDP had such like the momentum was, did it feel weird? Afterwards, nah, joining the like becoming nah, a part of the Juice Crew, not at all. I was. It was really. Shan had kind of already lost, I guess, because because right. Bridges Over kind of deaded everything. There was no coming Didn't back. Kind of, yeah, yeah. There was no really <laughs> Funk Master Flex Bomb. I don't even know if did he even put out a, a, a answer to that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he put out Kill That Noise, but Kill then after noise. after the bridge is over, did anything else come out from uh, him? Nah. I don't uh, think he went back at him. Nothing notably. Right. So by the time I got down, that had already really died down right. and, and fizzled out, and BDP was already doing Like, KRS didn't have to keep battling. He was making legitimate records as a, as a, as a recording artist by then. Right. So the battle was over when I got down. You know, it's funny, man. Recently, we had um, Eric B. on the show. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, we had Kane on the show. And and they they both of them made a point that they weren't salty or anything. Well, Eric B was a little bit more animated in terms of, you know, those seminal Eric B and Rakim records or those seminal Kane records. There was questions as to whether Molly Maul really fully produced them. Well, Molly didn't even get credit for the Eric B and Rakim stuff. Right. So he was he was a, he was an engineer. Well, he didn't even get he, he didn't get any he didn't get any credit. Right. But um. I believe that he did actually make Eric B as president. Right. I wasn't there, okay. but just my 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 knowledge of his production style and what he does. He actually has a video out he just put out recently mm-hmm. of him remaking the beat. Right. Um, which was kind of interesting to see. Um, he explained exactly every step of the way how he made Eric B as president. So, um, you know, he didn't take credit for it. Um, I think part of it was fear. Right. He didn't want no problems. He was like, all right, y'all. Right, yeah, right. go ahead and do that. So, paid a full posse was yeah, yeah. serious. If 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 that was the route that he was going to go, he probably should have just left it there and right. not even never brought it up. Right, 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 right. Whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the, the thing yeah. I love about uh, Marley Mall, and 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 I don't think he gets enough credit is how he really is one of the first hip hop super producers, man. Yeah, and he was one of the first people to sample, which which uh, you know he 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 created something or he participated in something in, in the very early stages that became almost like a mainstay for hip hop producers. It became part of the repertoire of all hip hop producers. I was, I was actually there the day that he, that, that G rap laid the vocals for it's a demo, Mm -hmm. which was a sample, a James Brown sample. And crazy record at that time, crazy record at that time, nobody was sampling. Right. It sounded foreign to me. I didn't understand. I didn't get it. I was like, what is this? I, I was like, it just sounded awkward and I didn't like it. For for whatever reason, I didn't, you didn't like, like it. like sampling. No, I just didn't like, it was too different. Right. From Everything was always drum programming, just do, do, Plunky, that, do, right. do, do, do that, just drums, you know, and, and then you put like a little bass line, whatever. But nobody was sampling. So it sounded foreign. 
to take a record like a James Brown record and flip it the way he flipped it. But I, w- I went away to college. Well, actually, I didn't go back to college. By the time the record came out, which was almost a good year later from the right. time that I saw them record it, sampling had become popular. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this song is dope. I didn't even realize how dope this was. It was Not, ahead of its time. It was way ahead of its time. Right, right, way right. ahead of its time. Molly Maul, man. Yeah, yeah. Molly Maul. But I know what you were going to ask me. It was about his contributions in terms of or his legacy sampling. Well, I mean, in terms of making records, producing records right. w- with artists. Yes. Okay, so... Because Kane also mentioned, it was like, yeah. yeah. I was the first artist that Marley gave co-production credit to. Okay. Of everybody that he worked with. I think, in hindsight, if he could do it over, he would have given Big Daddy Kane and Mr. C production credit on mm-hmm. their record. Mm-hmm. He would have given Biz Marquis mm-hmm. production on his first record. Mm-hmm. Um, I he because he those were missteps for him because right. those relationships kind of got funny afterward. Afterward, right? And when I approached him because my first album, take a look around. About half of the samples on that album are from my mother's actual record collection. Wow. My mother's and uncle's rec- I would go up there with a with a with a shopping bag full of records. Every time I had a session, I want to sample this, I want to sample this, I want to sample this. So he would take the record, he would listen, this piece right here, oh yeah, this is dope, this mm-hmm. is dope. He would sample it, but then he would do his thing to it. It's mm-hmm. not like he was like following my inst- He would take the sample, which I suggested, and I said, I want to rhyme over this part. But then he would get his drums and his, he would put his, ma- he would put that Marley magic on mm-hmm. it and make it crazy. And so that's what everybody was kind of doing. Yeah. Everybody was bringing records to Marley. Mr. C and Kane were bringing records to Marley. This is what we want to rap over. But he would freak it and turn it into a song. Yeah, he probably should have gave them production credit. And when it came to my album, I approached him as a as a, as a grown man. I said, right. listen, you know, um, I think I did like, you know, we did this record together. I said, I think I should get co-production where do you where do you i mean i understand that, that how dare me yeah where do you get the balls <laughs> yeah to, to, to step I, to molly mall and say kane didn't get you know what i'm saying none yeah. of these other eric being rock you know what i'm saying yeah. like where did you where did you i mean you know because i i don't know i just i felt like i could talk to him in a logical way mm-hmm. and not challenge or bruise his ego right i just was like yo we we you know we did this together. Right. And he was he agreed. And then the money part came up and I was like, Well <laughs> Do I get my three percent? Do I get half the money? Right. No, nah, you ain't getting half the money, <laughs> motherfucker. God, now, now you're going too far. Now you're going too far. You in the game now, but, yeah. but that's it. That's it. <laughs> Yo, I, I know you've told the story again and again, man, but we gotta hear it again, man. Like, you know, and then we're going to the next we'll take a break. Um Symphony Video. I've I've never told that story. Kane. I've never told that story. Yeah, you did. Not not in Big Daddy Kane. Not in any real legitimate way. Okay. Um Big Daddy Kane. Go ahead. What do what, what do you want to ask? We, me? we we all waiting for that video. Yeah. And and, and and Kane is not part of the posse, man. Kane is like at the end in some weird you know what yeah, I'm saying? He was Y'all in the West, y'all are the wild cowboys. And, yeah, yeah. He was there. He was there. He was there. We all went up there together. And there's a story about, you know, Something happened on the bus. An incident happened on the cool bus. Cool G Rap was the funniest cat in the crew. He cracked a lot of jokes. Right. Um, and there was other dudes cracking jokes. And, you know, uh, 
jokes are all good until nobody wants to joke no more. Right. Then it's like, yo, chill. So was Kane the part, the the butt of some of these jokes? Not necessarily, but dudes will started throwing stuff. That's that, that's <laughs> where it got out of what, hand. Like bread, balled up paper, right. and you know, cups and <laughs> yeah. em, empty soda cans. <laughs> yeah. and, were you were you throwing shit? Yeah, we was all doing right, being right. stupid, you right. know, just acting up or whatever, and you know, it just came through ice water on the whole thing and was like, "Yo, I ain't playing no more. Mm-hmm. Chill." Right. And everybody like, and everybody sat down, and as soon as he sat down. Somebody, somebody do something. <laughs> they hit him in the high top. As soon as he, as soon as he sat down, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Boom, do something at him. No, no snitching. But who, nah, who threw it? Nah, it was said no snitching. <laughs> but, yeah. um, was it you? It wasn't me. Okay, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. He he, he knew who threw it, and right. he he confronted that person. There was an altercation on the bus. That altercation ultimately led to the police coming up to the video shoot the next day because it was gunfire. There was allegedly there was allegedly a, a a pistol that was that was fired and um it ricocheted and hit somebody in the arm that was right. sitting in the back of the bus that had nothing to do with nothing right and so that person got taken to the hospital of course when you show up with a bullet wound bullet wound police get involved so the police came to question ask questions that's 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 why he wasn't in the video right yeah Kane uh, Kane was a wild boy man. I mean, you know, we all wild in our own way. Right. You know, was Cool G Rap really that funny though, man? No, nah, he used to. He's he used to crack a lot of. I mean, he was funny. I I don't I don't know if he jokes the same way he used to, but right. he used to be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. used to be hilarious, and yeah. he had a funny laugh too. Man, one of the best. One of the best, man. Definitely, still one of the best. Listen, let's go to a break, man. All right. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com. F your radio show, F your TV show, and F your podcast. Let's get it. Yo, Internets, this week's episode of the Combat Jacks was brought to you by Spotify Discover Weekly. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs, like I said, that you didn't know you loved yet. You get a brand new unique playlist every Monday. The playlist is personalized based on your musical tastes. If you like Lil Uzi Vert, he will be there. If you like Rich Homie Quan messing up Biggie's lyrics, he will be there. Don't forget to save your favorite tracks on Sunday before your playlist refreshes. Go to Spotify.com slash Discover Weekly now to get your playlist. Make sure you tweet us at Combat Jack Show and at Combat underscore Jack and tell us about your playlist. Get that good music from Spotify Discover Weekly. And now back to the show, man. Peace. Hey, yo, Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com, man. We got the legendary Master Ace and the Building Man telling stories that are present, past, Hopefully in the future, man. Yo, you know, during this break, we had two conversations that I think it would be we I, we'd be remiss if we didn't include this in the episode. Okay. Number one, and and this is you know courtesy of of Guy Rute. Yeah. And 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 throw yourself in the yourself in the mix if if you want to, man. Who who won on the symphony record? Uh, I'm not throwing myself in anything. <laughs> it's is. See, it depends on what you what you want. Right. Lyrical dexterity, mm-hmm. G rap. Yes. Punchlines, Kane. Right. It depends on what you're into. Right. That's 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 the that's the best way to say it. You know, guy made an interesting point because back then I was such a Kane fan that it was you know it was it was it was automatic. It was unanimous. Yeah. That Kane won, but when you go back. 
G Rap says a lot of stuff. And hear what G Rap is saying. He says a lot of stuff. I came back. You know what I'm saying? I'm coming back like I'm avenging my brother. Like, who's coming back to avenge their brother's death? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that rhyme on the symphony that G Rap's. Guy, you're getting a little too happy now, man. Guy's getting a little too happy. No, no, no. That, that wasn't his original rhyme. Right. He said a different rhyme that was super long. Right. So long that it went to the end like it, it, it rhymed over where it came rhymed and all the way to the tape ended and marley was had to stop it like yo this is this is too long like right. this ain't gonna work like, <laughs> yeah. there's no tape left right so he was like all right i'll spit something else and he went back and spit a different rhyme that that which is the rhyme that we now know that's crazy. but i wonder what happened to the tape marley probably got that tape marley, with marley, that original that tape original probably got that somewhere marley come on man put it out yeah um secondly man so you know, hip hop for me was pre Rakim and post Rakim. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Rakim just changed the game on so many different levels. He just showed you how you could tone it down. Yeah. Be so subtle, but still be a monster. You didn't have to scream your audience to death. Yeah. He brought so, the science. He brought yeah, science. He brought the science. So, yeah. so, you know, once Rakim dropped, it was automatic. Rakim at the time was the greatest rapper of all time. Right? At he, that time. like Yeah. Well, for me, there's three MCs that are on my uh, my timeline mm-hmm. of of right of rapping. Right. That when I heard them, I changed what I was doing. Right. The first was LL. Mm-hmm. When I heard you know him spit, um, I'm dangerous. Like I was like, oh, he's saying all these big words. Like super, okay, super. Gotta bring the big words in. So right. I started trying to do that. Then I heard. Rakim with the compound rhymes, you know. When when Rakim came out with, what, what, I'm sorry, sorry. What is what is a compound rhyme? When when more than one word in a line rhyme. Okay. Up to, up to that point, every MC rhymed with the last word in your sentence rhymed. Right. So it'd be blah 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 cat, blah 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 bat. Right. And then Rakim came in and said, "I came in the door, said right. it before." before. Never let the mic magnetize me no more. Right. And I was like, Calm wait, down, oh, man. you can do that? Right. <laughs> so you can make more than one word in the line rhyme. Okay. And I changed the way I rhyme there. Then I heard Kane. And Kane, like, he just took. But what, can you describe, like, just how you said it about Rakim and the compound yeah. rhyme pattern? What name would you put for what Kane brought to the table? Well, Kane. He upped the Annie because he was rhyming seven and eight words in a line. So he was doing the, you know, creature, teacher, reacher, 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 creature. Le- which, he brought that to the game. He, 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 and he changed the game when he brought that. But he, he, what he mastered was playing around with that, but then hitting you with a punchline that on top of that. Right. So, you know, when I heard, you know, when I heard just rhyming with with, with Biz and, and I heard get into it, I changed. I, I it made me go back and rethink my plan. Those were the three guys that, for me, made me go back and rethink what I was doing and 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 sort of hone in a little bit more and um just be more um more lyrical than I was being up to that point. Right. Yeah. So the the and that's great, man. That that's a great three influences to have to change your rap patterns, right? Yeah. 
the question is this, man. So it was Rakim was so ahead of his time that we accepted that. At least as me as a, as a fan in Brooklyn, yeah, it was like no one can touch Rakim. But I remember it was it was Kane's second album, and I remember just playing "Woman Up Kane" over and over and over. And then there was this like blasphemous light bulb thought that popped up. Was like, wait a minute, Kane might be able to take mm. Rakim. See, Kane. What did, are your What are your thoughts on that, man? Because that's the battle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no disrespect to, to to Nas and Jay Z or, oh, or right. Drake and Meek or whatever nah, great. Right. Battles we experienced throughout the the eons of rap, but this is that. one. This this was one that was talked about, but I don't think was ever going to really happen. Right. I heard that there was something set up right. for them that it was going to happen, but it it never happened. But you know, it comes it, when when you got two guys that are talented like that. It really mm-hmm. just comes down to a matter of what you're into more. Are you more into the punchline that mm-hmm. gets the crowd reaction, mm-hmm. or are you more into the super lyrical dexterity and the smooth voice and that kind of thing, you know. So I would always lean towards the punchline artist because I know that on stage that's going to get a reaction right. from the crowd. Right. You know, Rakim, we could sit there and listen to every line and be like, oh, that's so ill. Oh, he's killing it. But it's not going to really be a line to make you go, oh. But Kane will always have those lines. Right. And, and, and so for my taste, I'm going to, lean towards Kane. You know, it's it's very similar going into the present, man. I mean, there's this this simmering kind of like tension going on with with Kendrick oh. and Drake. Is there? I mean, I I mean the the fans kind of No, it is. It is. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's, 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 it's two two different rap styles in the whole nine. Yeah. And I'm as 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 much I believe as much as Kendrick will rap will rap and rhyme circles around Drake. No, he won't. Drake got the punchlines. No, Drake he he won't rap circles around Drake. Right. He's I mean Thank you, Ace. He's he's not he's a few classes away from being on Drake's level with, with the rhymes. Mm. He's a he's a good artist. Right. Great artist actually. Makes great songs. The feeling, everything about now. What some does. people would say you're blaspheming right now. Nah. Well, wait nah, a second. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Kendrick fan. I right. bought the album. Right. I bought. I bought both albums. Right. But in terms of putting two MCs up and saying, "Say your best rhyme against him," "Say mm. your best rhyme against him," it, easily, you know, Drake's going to win that. Mm. Even though he might not have wrote those rhymes allegedly. That's a guys. No, I'm just saying. Listen, you know what? That's a great segue. Listen. L- let me jump in. Go let, ahead. Me, let me interrupt you. You talked about how you had the opportunity to work with the legendary Will Smith, Fresh mm. Prince, and it was a very collaborative effort. Yeah, yes. Can you talk about that, and we'll go into this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was working on uh, his album, Willennium, yes. um, which was uh, late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. I guess 2000 probably. And I was, um, I was brought in to, to, to help out, to help write the album. Yeah. Um, Went out to Philly, Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff's Touch of Jazz Studios out in Philly. And uh, my, I was there. Uh, Common was there. Um, a cat by the name of Kel Spencer mm-hmm. was there. And the three of us were basically pinning the rhymes that would be the Millennium album. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I wrote a couple of full songs that, that didn't get chosen, but I did contribute uh, some lines on, on one song on the album, a song called Uh. 
but he he clicked with Kel Spencer and decided to let him be the lead writer on the album. So um, Kel Spencer was a, a new commodity, unknown. I think I think he felt more comfortable with it being somebody who was kind of unknown as opposed to somebody with a name and with a fan base or whatever like that. So it was an easier thing for him. So he wound up um, embracing Kel Spencer and taking him back out to L.A. with him, and they did, they did the rest of the songs together. But out of the process... You talk about how that was a collaborative process Mm -hmm. and how in in every other genre of music under the sun, it's a collaborative process. It's a known fact that it's a collaborative process. But we in hip hop. I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because the the nature of an MC is to talk about how good he is, how skilled he is, how ill on him, how nobody can mess with him on the mic. And when you're saying those type of you know, things on a mic, you have to be speaking lines that you actually wrote. In, in order for that bravado to hold up, you have to be the one that's pinning, the, pinning those rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's a, where does that come, where's that, where's that requirement come from? Is this some shit we made up and we, we didn't make it up. It's, 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 it's the, you know, we created a term a long time ago called, called biting Mm -hmm. so that means that you can't hear what somebody else did and then take that line and say it say it yourself you can't do that it's just certain rules to the game right so that's why it's there but at the same time when we're talking about cats that are making music that's for the general public and for commercial consumption i can understand a collaboration but but i do want to address what he said about drake because um Drake has been, you know, basically nailed to the cross because a guy wrote a song for him or wrote some of the reference r- tracks. Yeah, whatever he wrote, whatever he wrote. Drake had Drake had two incredible mixtapes before he ever met Lil Wayne mm-hmm. and ha- ever had a record on the radio. Right. Every song on those mixtapes, every rhyme was incredible. He clearly wrote all of those mixtapes. These are underground joints. He got joints with Lil Brother. Yeah. The the rhymes on those mixtapes, that's what made me even know who he was, mm. was those mixtapes. Right. Who is this dude? And then I heard later that he actually sang a little bit too. And I was like, oh, this kid's going to, he's going <laughs> to, you knew, you saw He's going to, he's going to right. destroy right. things. So, if the, if, if he was rhyming corny on those mixtapes and then he started saying the stuff he's saying now, then I might be with you like, oh, that's he not, he can help. He can help. Um, but I'm not I'm not buying any of the oh he got he got ghost riders, you can't you can't you can't give him no love I'm not buying none of that because I know what the early stuff sounded like. So that's why I met with the Drake situation. Fair enough. You know, when you went you know, we talked about the salsa man, but when you went when when you when you went solo and had your solo career, your first single was Me and the Biz. Mm-hmm. As a fan on the other side, I'm looking at the video. I'm looking at you and the biz like, puppet. What is this? And I'm no, 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 oh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm of, like Brownsville I'm, was like, what is this? I'm like, this is the first time you hear MC rapping about or rapping like another MC yeah. way before you know even like Kanye talking about Jay. But but you you mimic Big. I mean um biz. um biz, and I love that record because it was such a it wasn't a novelty record. It was just fresh and new. Yeah, Warner Brothers wanted to make it a that novelty record. That record would cause you hell, huh? Oh, I got a lot of a lot of uh, uh, 
a lot of a lot of a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback from that that record backlash. Um, you were supposed to be on that record with Biz. Right, Biz was supposed to right. be on the record. The rhymes that you hear me rhyming in his voice was basically me referencing the track for him. And you do a great job. So that he would know when he rhymed. Right. So I was I sent him the t- the cassette. I said, okay, you'll know when you rhyme because you'll hear my voice change. And he said, okay, but I'm not doing this record at Marley House. Mm. Cause that was that was right in the time when they had to fall out about right. the production. Right. So he was mad at Marley and who wasn't trying to mess with him and wasn't going to go to record it. So Marley was like, "Yo, I think we should just leave it how it is. Mm. Let's see if people even people might not even know it's not biz, whatever." Let me ask you something: Was Marley being a genius, or was he being spiteful when he said, "Let's leave you on it"? <laughs> I think doing it was- biz. I think it was more spiteful, but right. I think it was just one of those happy mistakes that happened. Right. Um, it, it it worked out, but he he was not gonna um, give in and let me re-record the song at business business studio. Right. He, he wasn't gonna give in and let that happen. What was his business reaction to the record, man? You know, I never got his reaction. You know, I heard um, that he had said um, that he was gonna do a song. Off of you, remember, I don't know if you, I don't even know what group it was. It was a song called um, "It Went." Nobody can be you but you. Yep. Um. Um. Oh, I don't know man. who. I don't oh, know the artist. Though. I want to say Kashif, but it wasn't. Was it somebody Kashif? like that? Somebody, yeah. But he was saying up at the label that he gonna do that. He gonna redo that song and and kind of like almost like an answer type of thing. Right. 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 That actually might have helped my record if he had done <laughs> that, but he never did it. Right. But you do the record. Yeah. Um. It. it to me, it opens you up to a, a, a broader audience. Somewhat. But, but to you, like, it was a curse, right? Why? Yeah, well, because that song was not indicative of what the album was. The right. album was a lot of lyrics, a lot of lyricism, a lot of real serious kinds of songs. Right. The and you are a matter, serious artist. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the subject matter was very, um, you know, it was about uplifting my community. Take a look around. A lot of positivity right. on the record. And then hear, hear Warner Brothers go picking this this record as the single. I'm like, what do you pick this for? Like, right. this is just like a little throwaway fun record just to have on there to lighten the album up. But that's typical of a major. They want to leave with the lightest record. They want to lead with that. I wanted to put out Moving On or something mm-hmm. with a little bit more substance right. to it. Um, but, uh, you know, you, and you don't know what your career might have been had you've been able to allow to do what you wanted to do right. instead of what they wanted to do. Right. But Benny Medina put his foot down and was like, you know, if this isn't the single, don't expect another single Damn. off the album. Right. And, and so what do you say as, as a brand new artist? What do you say? You, 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 you bow down. You, you, you take that, you yeah. take that. Yeah. But the funny thing is Brownsville wasn't fucking with you with that. The, nah. like they did like they were yeah. like yo ace you let brownsville down not not to that not to that degree but it was right. just a lot of like clowning and joking yo what's up with the puppet yo what's that about you're a puppeteer now what's, uh, what's all a, that that's what's some brooklyn that? shit man yeah, yeah and yeah. it really affected you though right it did and and you the way you know it affected me is when you listen to the album that came after it which right. was slaughterhouse which is right. the darkest grungiest dirtiest album i could possibly make right that was that was and that was a conscious effort to get away from being a conscious effort to get right. away from the puppet guy with the suits and the hats and the colorful clothes. I just wanted to just really make a dark record. How did the um, Juice Crew 
Why did the juice crew disband? It happened in phases. It happened in steps. Um, the first thing that happened was Craig G, who had signed at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Damn. Right. He wasn't legally even allowed to sign. They weren't. They weren't allowed to enter into a contract with him because because right. his mother didn't didn't sign off. So he he wiggled out of his contract very easily because he was underage when he signed him. Right. And he did a deal. He went to a landing records. But the what caused him to leave was the well the, the monies wasn't right. Like y'all yeah, was well, on it, a tour and the management and oh yeah oh my goodness the 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 the, the cold chilling tour in ninety one cold chilling tour who was on that tour? Um, Kid Capri, Granddaddy IU, Kooji Rap and Polo, Craig G, and myself and the Genius, also known as Jizzle from Wu Tang. Right. That's who was on the tour. He bought ODB on that tour as well. He he attempted to bring ODB right. on that tour. Uh, the first show was in, in Newark, New Jersey. Rest in peace, old dirty bastard. Yeah, rest first, in peace. Yeah, first show. First, first show. show of the tour. First show of the tour in Jersey. Y'all just crossed the bridge. Just got over there. Right. And ODB got up on stage and cursed out the whole crowd and had dudes fuck right Jersey, right. some shit <laughs> like that. Fuck y'all Jersey niggas. I don't fuck with Jersey niggas like that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's about to be a brawl right. before the show even. Right, the first right, right. act. So, Fly Ties, after that show, Fly Ties was like, yo, your man is staying home. He's not going with us. Damn. So, Jizza had to just go with him and Shamik, right. the DJ. Um, yeah, so he got kicked off the tour after the first show. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was that's who went on the road. And, you know, it was one of those tours. It's supposed to be a promo right. tour. It's a promo tour. You don't get paid for the shows. Right. Get a per diem. You get a per diem, which is like your little food money or whatever. Like $50, $70, $70 a day, something like that. And then I, it wasn't that much. Right. Probably like $25. $25. Maybe less. Right. Maybe 15 Which is cool. You know, when you- Back then, it wasn't as much expensive to buy right. food. Plus, we was buying, you know, fast food anyway yeah. back then. We didn't know no better. We're buying McDonald's, whatever. You're trying to buy the cheapest food possible so you have money in your pocket. Of course. So- we go through these. We went to a bunch of different cities around the U.S. Uh, we we actually wound up in the South. We was in New Orleans. I don't remember most of the cities we were in, but we got down to the last show. I want to say it was like St. Louis or something like that, somewhere in the Midwest, I think. And somehow one of the fellas, Kane, or because Kane showed up for one of the shows, or somebody somebody got in contact with one of the promoters and had a conversation with him, mm-hmm. and found out that Fly Tie was bringing in like $50,000 a show. Per show. Per show. And we weren't getting any Giving dog. y'all $25 a day. Right. And so it was about to be like a a, a damn coup. Right. Because everybody had a bad taste in their mouth. Dudes wanted to beat them up. It, it, it was like a, a a bad scene. And I could imagine you guys are young. You guys on tour. Tour life is not easy, man. Right. And when you hear that number, you know, he tried to say, oh, well, this is for the buses. We had two tour buses. It was hotel. In what year? 91. Tour buses ain't costing forty thousand. No a, way. A, 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 no a way. Trip. No way. Right. No way. Gasoline was cheaper. Right. I mean, okay, we we were staying in hotels. The bus, the gas, the hotels is not adding up to fiftieth fiftieth. No, not at all. No way. So they were they were making big money. So and over fifth. Right. So that started kind of the 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 bad feelings all the way around. So Craig left first. Um, I didn't sign to the management. Um, and then they had, so they had signed all these artists. They had, they had signed Granddaddy IU, mm-hmm. Kid Capri, uh, Diamond Shell. Diamond Shell. Uh, there's like two other artists I can't think of that they signed. 
Oh, Jizza. Um, and there was a couple other artists. So it had all these artists, but records weren't really moving like that. Right. So Warner Brothers basically said, listen, you guys got to cut some of these artists. You got too many, you got too many artists. We're going we, we gonna to list them. We're going to draw a line. Everybody below that line, you got to drop. Mm. So they dropped all the new artists and me. Mm. Above that line, they kept Cool G Rap. They kept Shantae. They kept Shan. They kept uh, Kane. And they kept Biz. That's all they kept. Right. Um, Kane left the management and went to Rush, mm. which was a, another big move. It's rolling, rolling that was rush. an important move for yes. him. Got him the Teddy Riley connection, all of that. He did that, get the job done and all of that from that. Um, and, you know, uh, that was when Kane kind of started to move. And then he eventually left and went to MCA. Mm-hmm. So Craig was first. When that whole situation happened with Warner Brothers drawing that line, I left and went to Delicious Vinyl. Right. Kane left, I think, like the following year and went to MCA. Mm-hmm. Got bought out of his contract. So once Kane left, it was almost like the doors, the walls started closing right, in on right, them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so you're also a pioneer in that you're one of the first, if not the first, New York, New York rappers that that goes to the West Coast and signs to a West Coast label, yeah, um, like that was unheard of. Like the, and a, a label specifically West Coast, like Delicious Vinyl. We're right. talking about Tone Loke. and Young we're talking MC. about Young MC. Those yeah. those are West Coast yeah. at the time, straight up, like pre G Funk, yeah. pre Gangster Rap. Those are West Coast, definitive West Coast records. Absolutely. How does a brother from Brownsville end up on this super West Coast label, man? Well, I. I was on. They asked me to be on a song on the. You remember the brand new heavies? Yes. So they had a they had a rap album called Heavy Rhyme Experience. Have that album, which was a collaboration with a bunch of different rappers. Mm-hmm. That was kind of their way to cross over into hip hop. And um, so I had one of the songs on there, a song called "Wake Me When I'm Dead." And after I did that song, I had a manager at the time who was actively trying to find me a situation. Right. He knew them, and he was the one. His name is Jonathan Pollock. He actually facilitated um that 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 that's that me being on that album once that happened um he uh they liked what i did on the song and they were like oh he so he's 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 a free agent right okay yeah let's let's and they and they bought me out of my my contract wow and that's when i did the slaughterhouse album how'd you like the west coast at the time i loved it i thought it was like i was like this is the best this is like paradise it's like palm trees like the weather's nice all the time this is crazy right the girls were wearing thongs back then. They yeah, didn't wear. Th- it was. We didn't know what a thong was. Yeah, it was. It was a different situation. Right. Being a young, I was twenty something, like just running around enjoying life in L.A. Right. Yeah, but I never lived there. People, so you, you people thought live, I moved there. I thought you moved there. I never moved there. So you were like bi-coastal. You were, you were going, coming back. Right. I would go out there for three weeks or whatever. We we had this hotel called or- the Orchid Suites, which was right off of uh, Hollywood Boulevard on a street called Orchid. And they had the um, the hotel rooms with the kitchen, the full kitchen and all that. It was like a one-bedroom apartment, basically. And and co- co- um, Delicious Vinyl would put me up there for three weeks straight. And it was, like, beautiful. You know, it's crazy, man. You're New Yorker, you're out there. I mean, and then you do a West Coast record. Some say a West Coast record. Well, I mean, it, it had that. It was born to roll, right? It it impacted on the West Coast. Right. I still say I did a because you know the record that I sampled was 
on Def Jam. Knowledge Me by Original Concept. Doctor, I mean, uh, Doctor Dre. Uh, Doctor Dre. The, the, the original fat, con- fat, fat yes, Doctor Dre. Exactly. It was. It was a a Def Jam. Knowledge Me. Record. Yep. Def Jam record. So you know, it was back when Rick Rubin was was you know doing eight oh eights and nine oh nines and all of that. So that's an old record. I knew. I heard. I remember that record. I used to play on the radio in New York all the time. So when I got my hands on that record in the 99 cent bin somewhere in North Carolina, I was like, if I rhyme over this, this actually could work. Cause like seemed to me like the West coast and the South, they just now getting, getting up on this, these bass, weights the and the bass, bass and stuff. Yeah. We, we was already off that. We was on some sample stuff right. by, by then. So I just basically did a remix to my song, Jeep ass nigga, spit the same rhyme over this Def Jam beat. Mm-hmm. And it blew up on the West Coast, crazy, crazy, like 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 a phenomenon. Like it blew up to the point that some people thought you were Mexican. People thought I was from the West Coast. They really they thought, thought I was, you was from the West Coast, and thought they, I was Mexican. They thought you was Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy because of the car culture, right? You know, um, and and the bass, the bass. I was all about the bass, right? Though. I was always about bass, right? When I was, I lived in Brooklyn. I had a I had a Chevy Blazer with two fifteens and two twelves in it. So you you can only imagine what that was. Two fifteens and two twelves. Yo, but but it's still frustrating because at the end of the day, specifically in that era, you blow up everywhere, but you still want to blow up in New York. I mean, you want that. You want the home love. You but, want the home love. But when the when the when the West Coast thing happened, I got the opposite of home love. Right. I got the oh, you with them now. Right. You messing with them now. You over there with them. You know. You know, back then it was a very sharp line down the middle. Yes. You either with them or right. you with us. Right. You West Coast or you East Coast? Which where, one you going to can't be both? From? Where did that come from, man? Was it was 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 ah. was it specific people? I could was... tell you, I could tell you a little bit where I think it came from. Mm-hmm. This is my theory. When NWA blew up the way they blew up, because that was they were really like the first West Coast act that really like destroy shit like and and really really go there first time i ever bought a west coast based cassette right straight out of compton new york was like we were so used to being the number one mm-hmm. and all of a sudden nwa blows up and then and then dre drops chronic and all of this stuff starts happening it's like they 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 dominating sales right now mm-hmm. they were dominating rap sales yes. they were they were topping the charts our they were killing all of us. all game. our push, push everybody off the table. Right. So it made New York mad. Right. And it became a us against them situation because we were salty because they were winning and we wasn't winning no more. And they got to the point where they was like, oh, we don't even need New York radio to mm. sell a million records. Right. So we, y'all don't got to like what we doing. Right. The rest of the country is messing with it. So that's that's what that's how it all started. That's how the whole East Coast was in my this is my opinion on how the whole East Coast West Coast thing started. You know what's interesting about you, man, is um, you, you look so youthful, right? You, 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 Thank you. You, you look like you have an age, but then I—I I I, definitely I, have. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, several mm-hmm. years ago, man, you you were you were diagnosed with with, with MS, MS, with, yeah. multiple sclerosis. How did that? How how did you get diagnosed with that? Like, what caused you to go to the doctor? To yeah, I was diagnosed in two thousand, right. so sixteen years ago. Um, did you? What, what was it? What did you feel? What I had a um. One day I just had like a numbness in like one of my one of my feet. Like you know how your foot falls asleep, right? But it like lasted like all day, mm-hmm. and then the next day, it was in the other foot, and then it was like moving. 
So I thought that was kind of odd. I went to the doctor or whatever. They was like, you know, it's, I don't I, mean, I don't even know what they said it was, but they kind of brushed it off as whatever. This was like in like 99 or something. And then a few months later, I'm taking a shower, hot shower or whatever, and then my um the vision in one of my eyes like just got mad blurry. Like like somebody poked me in the eye. Mm. So I'm looking out of one eye is fine, the other side is just mad blurry. So then I go to the doctor again and I tell him about the past symptoms and all of this. So now, now they start running all these tests. They gave me a spinal tap and an MRI. How, and all how this painful stuff. was that, man? The worst shit ever. Mm. Don't don't that shit is the worst shit ever. Mm. Well, it wasn't. I mean, tears, right. tears to my tears came to my eyes. wasn't nice. But uh, it was from the MRI and the spinal tap that they figured out what it was. So I was I was diagnosed in two thousand, and then um, that was really when. I made a, you know, a conscious decision to take control of my life and my career and everything that I was doing. And I wanted to be more proactive in taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, prolonging my quality of life over long, you know, over the course of my life. And so that's what I've been doing. And, um, and I've made, I've made the best music, um, Mm -hmm. after the diagnosis, right. I made my best music after that, and I that's got, when that, that that inspired you to make disposable arts. It did, it right. did, um, and because I thought that might be my last record, so I put my all into well, that record. At that at that point, at that yeah. point when you were diagnosed, was it presented to you like this? This this is life threatening. No, it wasn't life threatening, but it was quality of life threatening. Right, because I all I knew about MS was that people that had it were in wheelchairs mm-hmm. or, or like. You know, walking with canes or yes. barely walking, or some went blind. Those, all those kinds of things, I'm hearing. So, um, so how did that not happen to you? Because I I know people with MS, and they, yeah. and and you they they are visibly affected by by yeah by, yeah yeah. But um, the only thing I can 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 attribute it to is a positive attitude. I changed my diet dramatically. What did you change? A lot. I, I eliminated all the white foods from my diet. Like, at all? White pasta, white rice, white sugar. Right. Um, everything white mm-hmm. eliminated. Um, I uh, started exercising. And, and this is all, like, within the last, more more intensely in the last probably six years or so. Right. I just have become more and more physical and continuing to introduce um, foods into my life that are considered, you know, the superfoods they talk about. They talk about quinoa. They talk about, you know, hemp seeds, things like that. I try to introduce – every time I hear about a new superfood, I try it out. Right. If I like it, I, I, I include it in my diet. Um, all these things have made a made a difference, I think. And and, and what is the – what do you still – I mean, MS doesn't go away. No. So you, there's no cure, right? But do you still feel it, or is is it so minimized it's, right now? The only the only thing that I have in terms of the symptoms is my fingertips. So my fingertips, I don't have full feeling in my hands. So, so I'll drop stuff sometimes, you know. Never drop that mic though, but <laughs> you know, I lose uh you know feeling in my hands. I, I switch hands with the mic a lot, right? Just so I because I, I need to know that it's there. But if you told me like to hold that pen that you're holding, right? If you told me to hold that pen and you turn the lights out, probably within a minute, I would drop the pen because I don't feel it in my right. head. I don't know that I actually have you it between have, my fingers. Right, 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 right. So um, just little stuff like that. Like I can't reach in my pocket 
and find a quarter. I got to grab all the change uh, and pull it out and go, okay, there's the quarter. Right. You know what I mean? So that's a little, that's, those but are such so, small it, things. Right. It doesn't affect what the quality of your life, yeah. like nah, you said. No, nah, it's little stuff, man. It's little stuff. You know, you've said that you feel that one of the big contributors to you um, catching or getting MS is your prior diet. Yeah, I definitely um, think that I ate a lot of the wrong stuff um, in my life. You know, um, we didn't know anything about GMO foods mm. and things of that nature. Watch out for that popcorn, yo. Yeah, corn period, yeah. you know. Um mm. You know, the United States produces so much genetically mutated corn, and it's in everything. Like they high fructose corn yeah, syrup. Yeah, they make they make high pickles. fructose corn syrup with it, and they put it in everything. Right, it's in peanut butter. Like right. it's in Skippy peanut butter. Like it's in everything. It's in stuff that ain't supposed to even be sweet. Right. So, so it's 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 just like for for me, it's like um, just trying to avoid. I, yeah, high fructose. Corn syrup was one of the, the, the targeted things on my on my right. diet. If I I would read the ingredients to everything. If that was in there, I ain't mess with it. If it said corn syrup of any to- any kind, I didn't mess with it. You know what the jig is, man? Like my kids put me up on this first. I sent my kids to Paris a couple of years ago, okay. and they came back and they were like, "Dad, in in, in, in France, they don't allow hmm. high fructose corn syrup in their foods." That's right. I just came back from London. There's no high fructose corn syrup. Like I spent the whole week in London wilding out with food like wilding out like just mm-hmm. you know everything over there is starchy yeah i didn't gain a pound hmm. different i didn't gain a pound when i got back i was like get the fuck out i got on the scale i was like i thought i was gonna be like 10 pounds i didn't gain a pound it's different so it's, it's it's crazy how the american government the the, the 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 organization that we entrust yes they allow to, these to, foods to, to be safe the, the foods that they give their thumbs up to, the FDA is fucking they feed us poisoning, and poisoning us they feed us to poison. get into that fucking pharmaceutical circus. That's right. They want that money. They want that money. They want. They want more people. They want as many people to get diabetes as possible. Yes. Because yes. that's that's pay off. That's pay. Yes. That's pay for them. Yes. Yo, yo, Ace, man, what do you think about you know this sentiment now that hip hop is old enough? This sentiment from certain cats that say that there's an expiration date on how long an MC should rhyme. Like, there's a date in which they should retire. I mean, artists like yourself, like Jay and Nas, Ghost, they, they continue to push the boundaries because it's still an expand, it's still a relatively young culture. But how do you feel when you hear that, man? There's definitely not an expiration date. Right. If you have, if you have a fan base that's willing to rock with you and continue on with you as you go on your journey, then you should absolutely keep on making records. Um... But if the I don't like I don't believe in making records just cause. Right. Um, once I feel like I'm making records just cause, then I know that it's time to to be done. Um, I make records when there's really something I really want to say, some kind of point that I want to get across, and that's why I did you know this new record. Um, I'm doing a record next year with Marco Polo. Nice. Because he and I've been friends for a really long time, um, and the fans have asked for that for like. It's been like five years. The fans have been asking when we were going to do a record. So I'm going to do that record. But beyond, you know, the the record with Marco Polo, you know, I'm looking at the next. My exit strategy is already in play. Mm-hmm. Um, I started writing a, a screenplay. Okay. Um, I started writing uh, a a pilot for a TV show that I have. I and um, bo- both, both, of, both of those things are, you know, on my immediate 
uh, plans, my immediate future. They're on my laptop. Those are things that I'm working on because I really would like to transition into, you know, TV and film. Right. Yeah. Nice. And, and I see you doing that, man. Yeah. What do you think about our generation? What one another thing that I'm very disappointed at, and I, and, I, and I love what you said earlier about Kendrick and Drake, and specifically Drake. But one of the things that I'm disappointed at from our era is how we become so close-minded. You can't be with regard to these new generation yeah, of MCs and and rappers. You can't be. I mean, I hate when I hear like if like like I fuck with designer. I love the fact that you like him. Okay, I like that record. Okay, I like the record. I've seen him perform it live. Yeah, it's like I don't know if he if he he could be a one hit wonder or whatever. Right, but I've gained enjoyment from that record, and okay. I've gained enjoyment from the live performances. That's cool. So you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm like, and so for me to admit that, and and, and cats our age are like, yo, combat for real? Like yeah. you don't know better? Like nigga, I don't know better. What nigga? Yeah, like, listen. Anybody who comes out and says like a some some general statement like right. all that new shit is whack, right? Then I just like turn I, I shut them off. Like I'm not even trying to hear the nothing else they got to say, right? Because it's your job to sort through the bullshit mm-hmm. and find the good stuff, just like we did back then. Exactly. There was a, don't don't was act, a lot, don't act like that wasn't whack hip hop. No, no, there was a lot back of bad in the, days. in the in the 80s. There was a lot of bad. There's rap. always been whack hip hop right. and garbage right. and trash. It's right. always been there. You got to sort through it to find the good stuff. It exists. There's good stuff out there. There's new. There's there's young boys doing good stuff. Chance the rapper is a guy that yes. I you know. That I think is good, and I like what he's doing, and I like what he's putting together. So there's cats out there, man. Right. There's definitely cats out there. I like I like Big Sean. I think he's dope. People. Big Sean is dope. He don't get the he don't get the props. Big Sean he is don't get dope. The like he's his dope. writing, his pen game is ridiculous. He's I'm good, not a man. fan of Big Sean for some reason. I am. I am. But when he writes yeah. and when he gets in that zone, the I'm like, oh, L. his lines oh, are L. oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you still waiting for that J Electronica album, man? We're gonna keep. I'm been waiting forever. Like I'm. <laughs> I forgot about it, you, you, but you're, you 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 mentioned before that you yeah, big, I like I like Jay, but is he's Jay gotta, crazy or what, man? He got to bring something. He's got to bring something. Come on. Do you think there's danger with Jay Electronica of his time passing him? I think it passed already. You think it passed already? I think he has to now put out a new single, a new record that makes people charged up again, mm. because he in this game it moves too fast. It moves too fast. You can't let it. You can't let it dissipate. If if you gotta if you if you catch lightning in a bottle, you you gotta run with it. You gotta run with it. It really might be too late for for, for Jay. It's not too late, but it's too late if you're gonna sit there and not put records out. Right. Like people people they need to hear music. Like he, that's the only thing. I mean, you're you you're a musician. You're an artist. You're making. You gotta make records. He had he had this this you know particularly I forget the name of the record with with, with Just Blaze. Like he had these. You know, even the last record he did with Jay Z, like he had these moments where it's like, "Yo, the the it's hot, the fire is hot." Yes, let's go. Right, let's go. Um, I don't know if it's the label that's holding it back because mm. you know he's not a single guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a singles guy. He's a he just does joints and he does. It, I'm sure the album is great. It's just that they want okay, well, what's the single? Right, and that's that to me. That's that major label mentality right. that that kills everything right, right it right. kills the creativity because if you look at the the, stu- the the singles that kendrick came out with those wasn't like club bangers or records that you even thought might even be on the radio but they were on the radio right so i just think they gotta just just let it go just, just gotta shoot their shot just let it go you know um however man we had a lot to say artists yeah. fans and artists 
alike. We had a lot to say about the movements back then. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you know, um, Public Enemy, you know what I'm saying, definitely lifted the consciousness. Of course. You know, we spoke about, you know, even when we was rocking gold, we was like, we got to stop rocking gold and anti-apartheid and the whole nine. You know, it's, it's, it's 2016. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump, police brutality. Um, it's a crazy time. Why don't we hear more artists in 2016 taking stands like we did back in the day? I think we will. Right. I think I think I think after those last couple of police shootings, I think there's artists in the studio making. One records. just happened yesterday. I know that was like the guy laying on yeah. the ground on yes. his back with his hands up, and helping the, helping the, the somebody. Therapist, yeah. and still got a caught a bullet in the right. leg. Crazy. Like that's like insane to me. Right. Uh, but you know. The, I think the records are being made. Right. I think I think whoever these whoever the artists are that are, that are that are moved to make this music, they're figuring out what those records are. They're figuring out what the lyrics are, and they'll be going in the studio making those records. We, we might not hear them to the end of the year, but right. you'll you'll hear some music. But is it will is, the radio play it though? Right. That's the question. Is is it protest right now? Because in 2016, I'm really realizing at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck about anything except um, loss of life or loss of property. Yeah. And what I mean by loss of property, particularly with regard to corporations that still support and buy into this racist uh, system, loss of profits, loss of profits. Yes. So we still haven't recognized Let's not pretend the, the, that the, the full power of our financial Absolutely. weight. And I just, in the perfect world, yeah. in a perfect world, I imagine somebody like a Jay-Z, Saying, listen, cats out here, this next year, right? This next year. Because he could do it. He could make a statement. This and next year. Millions would listen to him. Don't not buy Nike, but just buy four pairs every quarter. Just get your high four pairs and take a stand. Just that alone. You know what I'm saying? Don't kill yourself from not getting Nikes, but just, just four pairs, everybody. I think he can make a, a much bolder statement right. and say, don't mess with, okay, y'all, we're not messing with these companies right here. Here's right. the list. Right. And 10 million people would follow him, mm. and it would affect the bottom line to those companies. And that, that bottom line would be like, hey, we gotta, we really got to do something about this police brutality issue. Then you would see companies trying to make some kind of headway right. and you know, make their, their presence known to the political side of things, and, and that, w- that would help the— help things along but let's not pretend that we don't know where we've been living right and what how this country was created mm-hmm. what it what it was what it was built on mm-hmm. it was built on this mm-hmm. so yes it's shocking yes it's sad yes it's angering to see this stuff happening black men dying at the hands of police officers Day, but we know day. it's not anything new. It's not anything new. We just, only thing we just new is the cameras. We just get to see it. Only thing new is the cameras. Right. Now, you know, those old narratives were, he lunged at me. Mm-hmm. He had a gun. Those people were just resisting arrest. He pulled a knife. You know, uh, all, now we have it on video. Right. So they just have to change. They, they adjust the narrative to mm-hmm. fit the film. But We, we, we felt threatened still. Yeah, we felt threatened. I mean, right. That's you know, the narrative now. Yo, it's it's almost like it feels like open season right now. Cause you, if you if you could be laying on your back, begging, and get shot in the chest, right, multiple times, right, with the cops like literally on top of you, 
that's it doesn't get any crazier than right. that. It doesn't get any crazier than that. They're afraid. Yeah. The cops are afraid. Um, and but that means the cops aren't being trained. Correct. Well, some are being trained well. Right. Some came to the job already racist. But 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 Ace, we came from an era where shit was he- more hectic. And I don't remember the cops being that scared. Like I I remember yeah. seeing cops shooting fair ones. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. here, hold my belt. Yeah. And let's shoot this fair one right here on 42nd Street. Right. There's this this video that just came out. This old video from 42nd Street where you see mad cops on different occasions, just shooting a fair one. They never went to their guns first. Right. Like, what kind of pussy-ass cops are we producing not, right now? Not good ones. Right. Um, they, something has to change in terms of the way that they're rolling these officers out on the streets. Right. And, and the neighborhoods that they're patrolling in particular. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they are afraid yes. of their own shadows. Yes. And they're, they're, they're shooting first. They're shooting just on the sight of brown skin. They're right. ready to shoot. Right. Which is crazy. I think they're recruiting kids straight out of fucking PlayStation and Xbox colleges. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. kids that just shoot first. Yeah. Listen, man, I could talk to you all day, I know. all night, man. I know, I know. And, and you got to come back, man. You, you're working on a new project. I, I definitely want to see how the, 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 these scripts open up, man. I, definitely, yeah, yeah. I definitely, definitely wish you the best on that. Thank you. Last question. You know, you know the last time I asked you about your top five MCs, this one is a little hot, harder, man. Okay. Um, that one was the last one was tough. Yeah, top five rap posse cuts. Okay, all right. Um, the the symphony definitely. Yes. Um, protect your neck. Protect your neck. Um, the headbanger. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, Did you have this prepared, man? No. These are just <laughs> these are literally off the top of the top of my head. Um, we mentioned it earlier, buddy. Buddy. I think, you know, um, Native Tongues. And, um... You know what... You, um, fifth one. Uh, damn. Um, oh, uh... Nah. Forget that. Well, what were we nah, thinking? Nah, I was gonna say John Blaze. Right. But nah, that's 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 too obscure. Um, Scenario? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to answer your... Nah, I, I know, I know, I, I know. I don't want to answer your answer. I'm trying to think of well, some some more joints to right. to consider. Scenarios scenario is a great one though. Right. Um, Would you? I won't be mad at scenario. Right, right. What are you gonna ask me? Banned from TV or that same nah. lady, John Blaze? Nah, I'm not really with the the, the the late '90s joints like that. Gotcha. Posse cuts anyway. Yo, man. Um, yeah, I'll go scenario. Scenario. Yeah. It's a good list, man. Yo, Ace, man. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. I feel like you know. We need a part two or something. Yeah, we do need because yep. there's a so, whole there's a whole chapter. It's a, it's a whole there's a lifetime. whole like we didn't talk about M A Doom and you working with Doom and Kane none of that, and none of that. We, yeah, there's a whole but you know listen now that now that we finally broke through this wall man come through even if even if you're not scheduled listen listen this is what I do man All right. even if you're not scheduled for an interview even if we have somebody else that we're interviewing come in be our guest host please. Sure. Please. I just gotta, you just gotta tell me when you, when you, when you, when you're recording, and if I'm, we record every Thursdays. Oh, it's every th- every Thursdays, oh, okay. unless it's some extenuating c- yeah, circumstances. Yeah, yeah. The whole now, but come through, man. Like come right. through, become an extended part of this family, man. I'm down. Yo, Ace, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. Thank Real you. Quick. Thanks for having me. Come yes, back, Jack. Yes, sir. King.
School's in session as School's always. School's in session, bro. right? Word. Yeah, man. Anything to say, man? Anything else we got to say, man? Yo, salutes to you, Master H. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank Thanks. you for your contributions, your continued contribution to the game. Word. Absolutely. Appreciate it. To the it. culture. To the culture. For the culture. For the culture. Is that it? It shows up. Is it, we wrap I it up? I think so, man. Internet! You know what it is, man. Dream those dreams. And then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white. And the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Wow. Yeah, you know, Ace. Yes. You know, Mr. Magic inspired me to write that. Oh, okay. Cause, Mr. Cause Magic. He, he used to end his show with a, yeah. with a little. What was it? What did he say back then? Oh, shit. Oh, man. Um, Don't check check yourself before you write. It was, oh, uh, man. The early, early Mr. Magic. We'll find it. We'll, we'll, uh, you have I, men I, of, I'm actually mad at myself for not coming up with that right now. <laughs> Yo. But anyway, man, once again, man, thanks a lot, man. Thank Yo, you. R.I.P. Mr. Magic. Internets, don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Spotify's Discover Weekly. Discover Weekly lets you lose yourself every week in the thrill of new music discovery. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs you didn't know you loved yet. They're waiting for you, Internets. You get a brand new unique playlist every Monday, personalized to your taste. So go to Spotify.com slash. Once again, go to Spotify.com slash Discover Weekly now to get your playlist. Yeah. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan, and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production. Salute. Raise the bar, fam.